cigars all around Cheers, y'all Well, 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 well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this landmark edition of the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 174, and we are live all over the place. We're on Facebook Live, of course, and then we're available, as you guys uh, probably already know, on you know Apple Podcasts and Google Play and uh, on SoundCloud as well as on um uh, what do you call that video channel? YouTube. That's right. YouTube. That's, that's what yes. it's called. Uh, By so, the way, if you're watching, if you don't uh, get the whole show, you can always go back and look at it on YouTube. With Smoking that's right. Tosin on YouTube, and uh, don't forget to hit subscribe, the like button, and uh, the little bell lets you know whenever we post stuff up on uh, YouTube. So, Ian, this is a landmark show for us, and not just because. It's show number 174. 174 is a very important number. Halfway to 200. Yes. Uh, it's also a, a show where we've got uh, Iron Rude Republic in the studio. That's a big deal. That's awesome. And uh, But it's a landmark show for even one more reason, and that is that this will be the final show where the intro and bumper music that we've been using for this whole time will be a part of the show. It's going to be changing, and I'll explain why. We'll do that, but I will tell you, at 174 episodes, mm-hmm. it's okay, I think, if we change it up once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for I think that's right for 174 times all of these bumpers, I think it's okay. We're due for a it's change. Okay, we're due for a change. All right. Well, now, uh, so let me explain. We've been invited to join uh, a uh, podcast network, which I'll talk a little bit more about once we w- once that all comes together. Uh, but as a part of that, there's some sensitivity there to something that we have done, which I guess you could describe as a bit of a gray area. Uh, since podcasting began, it's always been kind of assumed that uh, you can't use like copyrighted uh, material, music, uh, music stuff. Oh, you got to turn that down. Yep, sorry about that. Um, so it's always been assumed that you could use like songs, pieces of songs for intros and bumpers and and stuff, as long as you didn't use more than thirty seconds of it, right? Right. So so we've used a few things like that, and you hear a lot of radio shows do that, and it's not a big deal. Uh, but you couldn't use like a full song unless you had permission from the owner of the master recording. Well, the uh, record labels that own most like major label stuff aren't going to give that permission because they're worried about people somehow downloading this and now they own the song. I don't know. It's it's stupid, but it is what it is. So um, um, anyway, there is some sensitivity among this uh, podcast network that there's a growing possibility that even the 30 second bumps. Or, or less than 30 seconds, might not be allowable by some of the copyright uh, holders. I, so. Well, so I think what happens is there's there are certain publishing houses and mm-hmm. record companies who are overly sensitive about that in the right. first place. But here's one of, the, uh, one of the things that's happened in the record industry is it's really hard for a musician to make money right now oh, it with is. their music. Labels so, are making money like crazy again. Yeah, the labels will make money off the music, and they'll sell it and everything else. But a musician makes... Like portions of a penny, and by the way, there's a lot of blame. Dollar. There's a lot of fingers of blame pointed by people like that idiot at the Grammys, uh, who who are pointing at like the streaming services and stuff 
as being the reason that artists are not getting paid. And I'm uh, not to not to sidebar here, but that's wrong. The reason artists are not getting paid is because they've signed deals with the labels that allow the labels to go around the licensing agencies and license directly with a Spotify or a, right. a whatever. And when they do that, the labels can they'll give Spotify or, or Pandora or whoever they'll give them a break on the price, which is good for Pandora or Spotify, but also included in those contracts, the labels can keep a great deal more of that money yeah. than they keep when it goes through the federal licensing. Yeah, yeah. Agencies. Labels aren't in the industry to spread your music; they're in the industries to to, to make, money. make money. Yeah. And now, uh, so so what happens when when you look at what's happening with a musician trying to make money on their music is. Uh, they end up having to do like they make their money on the live shows and live merchandise shows and, merch, and stuff yeah. like that. So mm-hmm. if you go see a live musician, buy merchandise because yep. that's directly to the if you're that's a, directly right. to the musician. If you're a fan, buy stuff at the show. Go right. on their website and buy stuff. That's how they actually get paid for what they do. Yes. Unless and, they've got a massive hit. And seriously, if you buy their tune on Apple, which you should, you know, or whatever thing you buy it and put it on your phone or listen to it, they, that uh, musician is getting portions of a penny. Mm-hmm. Like hundreds of a penny, they're not getting twenty percent of that dollar. They're That's getting twenty percent right. of, of one cent. One cent, exactly. Uh, and and that doesn't add up to much. So uh, I kind of get, I kind of get that. And I also think that uh, because the uh, because the record companies tend to bulldog on this because if we use their music and they catch wind of it and we have a successful show, they're not going to care as long as nobody's successful, okay? Right, right. They're not going to care. No one's going to pay any attention really to it. But if someone's successful and all of a sudden, oh, well, you're using that music to make money. Well, actually, we're using a bumper music because it's cool. We're not using that. You guys don't, you know, sign in to listen to our bumper music. Exactly. And we're using such a small portion of it anyway. But But at the same time, uh, I think that I think this gives us an opportunity to go. You know what? Let's find musicians who want their music to be heard, and maybe we can find some local guys and go. Hey, can we have permission to use your music? And now that the show is world famous, yes, the spotlight is is a little brighter. Hi, mom. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so our intro song, the artist that performs on that uh, is a friend of yours and a friend of yeah, mine, John, John Egan. John Egan. He's so good. He's, He's so good. great. And you know, they they did that for us. And just you know, that's ours to use yes. as much as we want. So the intro won't change. But it's these. It's the bumper music, and you know, let's. Let's face it, Radio Clash, that's owned by somebody, yes. and so that'll that'll have to change. So what I'm thinking is, I'm not so concerned about the bumpers in and out of the segments, but matching something up with the Well Well might be a little more of a challenge. Yeah, we're going to have to find something that really sets the mood of the... So, yeah. Okay. So we'll be trying some different things across the next few weeks, and we'll just see how they go. People can comment if they want on uh, anything they like or don't like. And, and by the way, if you're in a band and you own your music, as most independent artists do, uh, you're welcome to send it to us. You can send it to me. My email is cruz, C-R-U-Z-E, at rfcmedia.com. Send me, you know, attach an MP3 or or a wave file to the uh, email and send it to me. We'll con- we'll try yours out as well. That'll be fun. Absolutely, yeah. Submit All right. it. All right. So, uh, so this is a landmark show because it's the last time the well well will be done over you know one of the greatest songs of all time, Radio Clash by the Clash. But you know, so I'm a little sad, but I'm excited for the future. So. So speaking of things I'm excited about, uh, Robert Licorice is here. He's the founder and distiller for Iron Root Republic Spirits. We met Robert what at like a Whiskeys of the World, like we were just talking I about. I think we were 2017. 2017 Whiskeys yeah, of the so, World. Yeah, I think so, so. But we haven't managed to get him on the show until today, so we're very excited because we're kind of like 
we're kind of fans of the product. So, uh, so I, I have a feeling, and he's got some big news that just came out as yes, well. Which so. oh, yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll get to that in a few moments. But it's very, very exciting. So, uh, I do want to mention that we're brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant at eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon on Washington Ave, and the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard in Houston. All wonderful establishments, very well uh, stocked and well curated bars and uh, bacon yeah bacon 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 have you eaten there i'm not that's actually where i'm heading after this though, oh so. oh so bacon 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 yeah, yeah. get the bacon get the bacon uh, chef tommy's good. bacon is so amazing so on today's show we'll be uh trying some really uh, my mouth is actually watering looking at some of these bottles here we'll be trying some what i'm expecting to be really excellent uh iron root republic spirits we will also be uh checking out a few interesting beers uh in to start with today, we're going to be trying Side Project Brewing's A La Table. It's an oak-aged Missouri farmhouse ale. You got me. From Side Project Brewing in Maplewood, Missouri. I got you. You got me so far. That sounds great. All right. <laughs> and then we'll try uh, the KCBC, Kings County Brewers Collective out of Brook- Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. has a Robot Fish Citrus Smash IPA. There you go. That we'll be trying. And then... Legal Remedy Brewing Company's Standard of Proof. That sounds like a legal, uh, a legal term. That does. Uh, it's an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. These guys out of Rock Hill, uh, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so a lot to look forward to. Plus, um, the president's new budget, which has been uh, put on the table, would make a major change in how cigars and other tobacco is regulated. And so we'll tell you about that. The budget certainly has not passed yet. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but we'll tell you about that as well. Uh, plus, you're familiar, uh, Ian, we're talking a lot of music on the show, but uh, you're familiar with the band Striper? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, Christian hard rock and roll mm-hmm. band. Uh, well, used the, to jump around on stage looking like bumblebees? Yes, yeah. they had the bumblebee tights on, remember that? <laughs> uh, they, they're actually a really great band, by the way. Uh, they actually can play, and Michael yeah. Sweet is uh, the uh, the leader of the band. It's like actually a very, very talented yep. guy. Um, but he's drawn some criticism for a post of him smoking a cigar. So we'll uh, we'll tell you that story. Yeah, well, I, I don't remember in the Bible where it says you can't smoke a cigar. Well, uh, you know, apparently there's some verses I'm not all that well uh, <laughs> <laughs> all that all that uh, far up on. But uh, but no, he joins he joins the interesting company of Nick Jonas. Uh, Nick Jonas and uh, Michael Sweet from Striper are now the. Two latest musical celebrities to draw criticism for appearing. The, in a are they afraid that Michael cigar. Sweet's going to influence the kids? Uh, the, the I Christian highly doubt kids. anybody under thirty yeah, knows who Striper <laughs> is. <laughs> is watching Striper right now. <laughs> They're my favorite uh, band. Yeah, maybe not. The kids so, are all about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, a lot to look forward to uh, on the show. There's some other great stuff that we'll uh, be able to talk about as well. But uh, Ian, we did not do a show last week. You and I were both out of town, so we uh, uh, took the week off. Yep. But we did post a uh, great video, which I want to thank uh, Adam, a producer, uh, for editing together uh, of the segments that we did at the uh, Houston Whiskey Social, which remains, by the way, the greatest whiskey and spirits event that we've ever been to. I mean, it, I had fun. Yeah, you did have fun. <laughs> I, I was watching you. You were having a I had good a good time, time. there. <laughs> yeah, I think we all had a, a, a pretty good time. And, uh, you know, Robert, you were there at the... Uh, at the Houston Whiskey Social? Oh, yeah. I had a great time this year. I got to wander around and taste things. Yeah. Normally, I'm behind the You're behind table, the table push, push, yeah. pushing. Okay, this so, year. I, so I want to ask you this question about Iron Root Republic, because you are the founder 
One of, yeah. One of, and yeah. you're the distiller, right? Mm-hmm. So Mary, who does the bookings for the show, who also is my wife, uh, she mentioned to me that during a part of the, um, you know, confirming your appearance here or did the date work or whatever, you mentioned that you would have to check with your mom and brother. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so how does that work exactly? It's, this is a real family affair, I oh, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we're a small family company. We're, I'd say it's a triumvirate that leads the company. Okay. It's my brother, my mother, myself. Uh, so I think that's really cool, <laughs> I, You know, I've met your mother a couple times at the events, and she is absolutely delightful. Mm-hmm. She, she's the real leader. Let me, let's be real honest. Yeah, she's the yeah. one She's the one who, t- uh, who takes charge. Mom's enthusiastic and very proud. Moms oh, gotcha. usually yes. are, and that's, that's right. Moms have the ability. You can do something amazing, and your mom is more proud of it than you are. <laughs> It's that's the way. It's, it's a mom thing. It's a mom thing. So. She'll also be the most critical out of anybody too. Yes. Oh, well, that. But, only, be, but only behind closed doors. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Well, well, I always, I always appreciated that about uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing. If you look on their cans or on their boxes, it says we're still. Uh, this, this beer is like family owned. Created and argued over regularly, or something like that. I, I thought, you know, that's it's so perfect. It, right, it, right. It, you totally understand uh, what's going on. So uh, we're excited to get to the tasting. We'll do that uh, momentarily. Ian, uh, we've had a couple of weeks now since we've actually done a show. I'm assuming you had time at you know at some point in there to uh, smoke something interesting. Is I that, did. Is that the case? I picked up a, a classic. You know, we overlook the classics sometimes, so yes. we've talked about it on here, mm-hmm. trying to go back to some of the classics, some of those um, spirits or beers or uh, cigars that got us into enjoying it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, I'll just cut in and mention, when because uh, I was in Vegas, I took my wife there for Valentine's Day, and uh, wound up drinking a lot of Sam Adams, because it was in the casinos is one of the best yeah. choices out of what they will bring to you if you're you know at a table playing, and uh, just... Sam Adams is wonderful. There's, like, there's it's nothing wrong. It's really, with that. really Absolutely good. So I was reminded again of that. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. So I went. I went uh, Arturo Fuente, and I had their uh-huh. añejo. It's t- so hard to go wrong. Yeah, it's super hard to go wrong with the Fuente in the first place because they're great cigars. The añejo is the uh, uh, age. The size I had was the 888, which is basically their Lancero, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I hadn't had that size from Fuente before. I, yeah, because you normally go with the larger ring gauge, I usually right? go with the larger ring gauge and uh, something a little bigger, which I probably would enjoy. But this this was truly enjoyable. Um, from the top, the cigar is uh, uh, is is dark brown, uh, semi-firm overall, nice and smooth. It's a really pretty cigar. It's got this great uh, cedar uh, sleeve that it's... Uh, that it's stored in. So mm-hmm. obviously, the initial uh, the uh, the uh, the pre light sniff on this has a lot of cedar, a lot of woody elements, a lot of earthy elements, uh, a little bit of pepper, a little bit of uh, like dark mocha kind of flavors going on. Um, the uh, uh, I used a, cu- a clip on it because I had a torpedo in. Mm-hmm. Um, the pre light draw on this was perfect right off the bat um, and had a lot of the dark chocolate and mocha kind of flavors going on uh, with a little bit with a little bit of uh, uh, woody and earthy notes again mm-hmm. going on right off the bat the the initial light on this was a bit of leather and pepper uh, which is interesting because I didn't get any leather on the nose on this whatsoever and then cedar just kind of blossomed all the way through this nice um, uh, the initial light kind of morphed into a really cedary 
with a dry finish uh, with some uh, with some chocolate notes all the way through and a, and a large bunch of coffee flavors going on. So does with, does the fact that it's wrapped in a cedar tube does that actually enhance the cedar or is that? Yeah, no, you definitely that, yeah. it definitely picks up cedar because it's you know I mean it's, it's sitting there it's in sitting cedar there for being, the life of the cigar being humidified. To the point I take yeah. it off, right? Right, right. Um, and so that definitely adds cedar uh, flavor to the to the wrapper because it's full contact of the wrapper, and I believe that's part of what they're adding to the flavor of the cigar. You know mm-hmm. when they do that, um, and I've seen the same cigar, you know, in the same line in different sizes that don't have cedar, and some do. So it might be that like for this particular size, we want to add this this touch of flavor to it. And I don't know if that's a chef's choice or what it is, but mm-hmm. it certainly was awesome on this cigar. Um, the first third of the cigar morphed into coffee and and uh, chocolate and earth and cedar and that cedar finish was so nice because like I said the, the cedar wasn't as it wasn't as present in the initial puff of the cigar but then after the, the aftertaste of the puff was very cedar finish which was really nice uh, the burn on this thing was absolutely perfect uh, razor line burn all the way down. The ash was a little bit flaky, so I was careful tipping it mm-hmm. because I always spill ash on myself, you know, when I try to get the really long ash. Um, the second third of this cigar was more of the same with a little bit of fruity note in the background uh, that kind of crept up just uh, as an interesting tanginess uh, going on. Not a lot else changed with it. Again, razor line uh, burn on this, perfect draw all the way through. Uh perfect ash everything going on uh the last third of the cigar it developed it started to load up a little bit with some of the uh darker flavors like the pepper and the earth and a little bit of the leather came back which i hadn't detected except for the initial light a little Mm -hmm. bit of leather came back with some with some strong earthiness and the coffee and chocolate moved a little further back so it was interesting because the last third of the cigar was vastly different from the first two thirds Mm -hmm. of it but a little bit closer to the initial light of the cigar. The um, the uh, cedar notes, the cedar finish lasted the entire cigar. It was absolutely fantastic. I didn't have anything influencing my palate on this. I was drinking water with it, so unless I, I didn't have any flavor in the water or anything, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But. Uh, this cigar costs um, $10. I smoked it down until it was just about burning my fingers. Like in that last picture, I'm sure you saw that Like mm-hmm. it's a little bit bigger than my thumb at that point. Uh, this cigar costs ten dollars. I'm giving it a seven. It's it punches so wow. far above. Like you expect a Fuente to be good, class. yeah, right? right? I also expected it to be more expensive than that. And ten bucks, yeah. If you'd have if you'd have given me that cigar without the price tag, I would have guessed it at fifteen dollars. Nice, easily. Nice, you know. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't have been. Uh, wouldn't I, have been unhappy that, about that. That's yeah. fine. It's worth yeah. that. But it was ten dollars. I mean, that's fantastic for yeah. a cigar of that quality. So Love it. you get a solid seven on that cigar uh, if you're if you're out and about. Don't be uh, if you're into more uh, mild cigars. Don't be afraid to try this one. It's definitely medium. But it's not a, a spicy like burn your tongue kind of pepper. Mm-hmm. It's a real mild pepper. It's a really it's pepper flavor without being too spicy. Um, and it has all these other flavors in there that you don't always get in a uh, much more mild cigar. Mm-hmm. So I would say definitely try one of these, maybe in the smaller sizes, and see how you, see how that fares. Wanted to mention uh, just before I jump into telling you about my cigar that uh, we teased that you had some news, uh, Robert uh, from uh, Iron Root. 
that you had some news to uh, pass along. We didn't actually announce the news, but one of our uh, one of our listeners has already announced it on the uh, on the comments. <laughs> uh, and then Chris Hart jumped in and said, "Wait, I missed it. Uh, we will announce it in just a moment. I promise. We'll get to that uh, before we go to break." Uh, I will tell you, Ian, that I had a very interesting cigar, and I had this. I had I've had I had a lot of cigars when I was in Vegas, some of which I remember better than others. But I decided I probably shouldn't review one of those because you know the extenuating circumstances. Uh, so today, actually before the show, Ian and I uh, met over at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, enjoyed some great conversation, and I smoked the Oscar Valadares Wild Hunter Maduro. That's what I actually reviewed uh, two weeks ago on the show. Correct, yes, and I remember it, so I thought, you know, I will uh, I'll give this a shot. So uh, apparently this cigar is, is blended to be perfect for when you go hunting. That's, that's what it's supposed to be about. Uh, and I am not a hunter, but that doesn't mean that I can't join you guys who are for a cigar as long as I remain really quiet in the blind. Right. So, uh, so here we go. Uh, cigar was a little bit rustic looking, which I thought was perfect for something designed to be, you know, kind of outdoorsy, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the wrapper, binder, and filler on the smoke are all Honduran. Uh, the pre light on this was creamy and it wasn't as strong as what I was expecting from a Honduran uh, a tobacco cigar. I used a straight cut, I lit it up, and then here came the pepper and the spice, and uh, almost immediately, too, like first couple of puffs. Uh, there was also a very nice undertone of a sort of a rich soil and an earthiness and uh, a hint of uh, woodiness, maybe like a pine or a cedar wood is what I was getting out of this. Uh, I found myself actually really pleasantly surprised, even though I remembered your review, I was still pleasantly surprised by the complexity of the Wild mm-hmm. Hunter. Um, I guess for a rugged outdoors-type smoke, I was maybe thinking it would be a bit more straightforward, you know, and, and not Tastes quite like as hay. complex. Well, well, maybe not, but, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking something more like a diesel or something right, like that. Right. That would be, you know, it's, it's not super complex. It's got a great single note, and that's sort of what I was expecting. But this was very nice and complex, medium-bodied in, in intensity. As far as the burn, it was great, nice and straight, no need for relights. And I will say the ash was a bit flaky. It, it fell off in the ashtray, as you may have already seen in, mm-hmm. the, uh, in the photo, about a half an inch in. But that makes sense, too, as you're not likely to be holding a longest ash contest while you're crouching in a deer blind. So uh, I will say that later on in the smoke, I did get some ash on my shirt. So I, I feel a, a kinship and a connection with that. That happens all the time. Uh, uh, overall, the cigar uh, surpassed my expectations. Oscar Valadares, I think, is really on a roll right now. The stuff yeah. they're coming out with has yeah. been Agreed. has been fantastic. Uh, this is a nine to ten dollar cigar, maybe just a touch overpriced, but still, I'm still going to give it a solid five uh, based on how much I enjoyed it. So, uh, when are we going hunting? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> All right, let's before we get uh, into our break, and then we'll come back and start the sampling. Uh, we mentioned that there was you know a bit of news, and and uh, Robert uh, Licorice from Iron Root Republic is here. Uh, this just happened, right? Just this last this week. Just in. This yeah. just in. So you're hearing it first from Smoking and Toasting or from one of the people on our comments yes. uh, section. <laughs> I uh, did put up spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but what happened uh, this week? So this last week, uh, we got my mother and brother uh, were invited to go to New York for the World Whiskey Awards. It's a award ceremony that's put on by Whiskey Magazine every year. Mm-hmm. And at it, uh, I mean, we've in the past we've won for the Hubris Corn Whiskey. It's mm-hmm. been recognized a number of years now. So we assume that's what was happening again this year. 
Um, but it was something completely different. Um, this year, Harbinger, the 115 proof. Um, yeah, Is that this right one right there? here? That's that one right Ian, there. Ian, maybe show that to the camera. Yep. You, that guy uh, was named by them as the best bourbon in the, in the world. I guess country is more <laughs> appropriate. Wow. But best that's, bourbon in the world this year. That's um, huge, though. It, it was huge. It blew us away. Honestly, not expected at all. That's awesome. I mean, uh, last year it was Four Roses, <laughs> 130th anniversary edition. Right, right, right. Um, you had uh, 1792 Full Proofs one, uh, Pappy Van Winkle, obviously, mm-hmm. um, and then some Bowman. But we're the first grain to glass craft distillery or smaller distillery to win with you know something that was 100% our own distillate boy i just want to say if you don't think texas whiskey is coming on it's coming it's coming oh, yeah. man and this is this is really exciting and congratulations we'll get to tasting that as well as uh, uh some of the other spirits that you brought with you here uh starting up in our next segment plus we'll be trying some of this uh a la table okay missouri farmhouse ale in our uh, next segment you were checking out smoking and toasting show number 174 174 halfway to 200, halfway to 200. we'll be right back <laughs> Ah, uh, Allison Chains, we will miss you. Uh, welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. Uh, I'll miss that amazing drum sound. Uh, is like, that, that like is one of the, one of the best? best drum so, sounds? so quick aside, I was having this conversation this conversation with my wife last night. I think my favorite. Uh, um, I love drums, and I, I love. You know, great drummers, and obviously everybody's still like shaken over losing Neil Parrott from Rush mm-hmm. uh, recently. But I was telling my wife, as great as he is, I think my favorite rock drummer is was John Bonham because oh. his drum sound was, I thought, unparalleled. Yep. Go back and listen to it's not the most popular Led Zeppelin album, but uh, go back and listen to In Through the Outdoor. And listen to the drum sound on yep. that record. Wow. It's, to anybody who pays attention to those things, it's sort of mind-blowing. But you're right. That's great drum sound at the beginning of that. <laughs> so good. Allison so Change is so good. So I'll miss that. Uh, welcome back. It's Smoking and Toast in show number 174. We are Just, brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, uh, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Just Worth. Just a quick aside. I think that uh, John Bonham's drum sound was recorded in a room with four mics. No kidding. Yeah. Because now, like, I bet that Allison Change was like 30. Oh yeah, you know, uh, seriously. No, I'm pretty yeah. sure that his his general sound was four wow. mics. That's why he was a genius. Wow, he was a genius. He also was probably better at trashing a hotel room than any rock star ever of all time. <laughs> you got to you got to give him credit for that. You got to give him credit for that. Uh, Robert Licorice is our guest. He's the founder and distiller for Iron Root Republic Spirits. We'll begin some uh, Iron Root tasting here in a moment. But Ian, while you open up our a la table, I thought I would share uh, this with you. It's very interesting. Oh, nice. I like that. Um, There's a new federal budget on the table that has been uh, proposed, uh, a $4.8 trillion budget proposal for the 2021 year, uh, fiscal year, which begins in October. Why is this uh, being discussed on Smoking and Toasting? Because it calls for a new agency to focus on tobacco regulation. So if this budget is passed as is, or if if it's passed with this particular portion intact, um, the FDA would no longer be responsible for regulating cigars, cigarettes, uh, vaping, all any anything uh, chewing tobacco, anything tobacco related 
would not be regulated by the FDA anymore. It would be regulated by this new agency, which would be, um, you know, within the HHS to uh, be responsible for tobacco regulation. It's been under the auspice of the, the FDA since 2009. And uh, this would be a new agency led by a Senate-confirmed director in order to increase direct accountability, they're saying, and more effectively respond to this critical area so we're of public create, health concern. We're so, going to create a new bureaucracy that will, um, in, in very short order, right. start seeking ways to justify their own Their own existence. existence. See, this is, what, this is what frightens me, yeah. That's the but terrifying part Hopefully, as, you know, as fans of cigars, hopefully... They'll focus things on where they really need to be focused, which because there, as we pointed out so many times on the show, there is no youth cigar smoking epidemic. It doesn't exist. Now, you don't remember when I went into that cigar shop and this kid was standing outside going, hey, can you buy me a premium man-made cigar? And I was like, damn, dude, you need to stop smoking cigars because you sound like an old man. Yeah. And, and I brought him out a punch and, and he goes, 16. I wanted a Fuente, damn it. And he threw it on the ground. Yeah, I remember that. No, I was actually, like, what I are you, like 16 I don't years remember old? That. No, that, this never happens. <laughs> exactly. This, this never, ever happened. It never, ever happens. Or, <laughs> or, or like the, uh, the group of kids going around going, it's Friday night, what are we going to do? Oh, I got cigars. a buddy who's 21. He'll go and get us some cigars. Yeah. It doesn't happen. I'm telling you. What's he going to get? Oh, get us a box of Padron and a Fasarios. Okay, good. good. <laughs> no, that doesn't happen. They're going after PBR. I'm Come on, everyone's got to pitch in $20. Well, yeah. we'll have 10 yeah. Well, then you don't well, get the you Padron. you don't get a cigar, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So anyway, that's the, that's the news. We'll keep you posted. By the way, the budget itself has a long way to go to be... Uh, to be approved. So just because this is proposed doesn't mean it will ever happen. But we'll, you know, we'll keep you posted. That's the uh, that's that's what we do. Uh, Ian, what can you uh, tell us by looking at the bottle? I know it's a bit hard to read because of that. It looks uh, like a champagne bottle. It does. It looks very much like a champagne bottle, and it's large enough. I had to put it on a different shelf in my fridge than the usual side project. Beers. A la table. A la table. I assume you have to say it that way because it's a la. It's I don't know. They're from Missouri. I think they probably say a la table. If it said of the, it'd be of the table, but it's a la table. Yes, yes, right? yes. Oak-aged Missouri farmhouse ale. And, you know, I haven't tried it yet, but it smells funky. Yeah, well. Like funky in a good way, but Generally funky. speaking, these farmhouse ales are going to have some funk. So, And this right. was oak-aged as well. So What else does it say? Oh, it's very funky. bottle by Side Project Brewing, St. Louis, Missouri, and then alcohol by... Vo- 2.5%. Does this qualify as uh does this qualify as non-alcoholic beer? Like it's, uh, it's near beer. Yeah, almost. near beer. That's right. <laughs> near that's beer. Right. That's right. It's near beer. This would have um, passed prohibition. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's pretty crazy. So I have taken Ala Tabla is inspired by the classic saisons of the past, meant to be shared at the table with uh family and friends, traditionally brewed to be low in alcohol and extremely refreshing. So this is a this is a point. This is a very sessionable like a table wine is, right. you know, very uh-huh. sessionable That's kind right. of table beer is, is what they're going for, I think, on there. And I think Side Project actually kind of specializes in these farmhouse ales. It and these, really good. These mm-hmm. very, you know, uh, the reason they call them farmhouse ales is it's like you, you, know, you serve them with a meal, everybody, you know, nobody's getting too hammered by the end of the spaghetti, you know, that type of thing. This inspired Saison was brewed with an airy and fluffy malt build. I don't know how you get a fluffy malt, Bill, but okay. I don't know. But it's, it is, there is some fluffiness to this beer. And fermented with wild Missouri yeast and bacteria in our house saison blend before being aged in Missouri oak for several months and then being naturally conditioned in this bottle. I want to point out, um, and there's more to read on here, but I'll get to it in a minute. 
I just took a sip of this, and uh, everything they say on there is incredibly true. This is crisp and refreshing, and I immediately love this beer. Yeah, it is tart and wonderful. It tastes. It. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love it. Yeah, it tastes. It's almost like a wine mm-hmm. uh, with the, because of that uh, oaky finish on it, and it's real bright and fruity. It's 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 like a. It's it's a lot like some white wines that I've had, and it has that fruity aftertaste finish that just kind of lingers and makes you want cheese. There's something that a lot of Saisons have in their dankness, if you will, that uh, that is a little off-putting to me. This either doesn't have that or the fruitiness kind of uh, I don't think, conquers it. I think it. you're using the wrong word. I think dank happens usually in... Um, in in IPAs and double IPAs and big you're stuff. Right, you're right. I think I think the word you're looking for is funk. It's funk. Funk yeah. is it definitely like when I open it, there's a funk to it. Well, I like the and funk. It's a good kind of funk, but, but it's I, a weird kind of funk. I like the funk, but sometimes if that's the thing that stays with you at the end of the finish, it can make it like yeah, this is interesting to taste, but it's, I don't know if I want to. Here's buy an even better way. way to put the funk. It's this an over ripeness. Mm-hmm. And there's a little like overripe banana going on in mm-hmm. this, uh, like almost like that banana is a little bit like it's time. It might even be past banana bread time. Okay, okay, gotcha. One but day past banana bread. Right. It's really good though. Like that would I be love a great name for a beer. One day past banana bread. <laughs> and right? you can tell the wild yeast is not like overtaking it, or at least the wild yeast that they have is a little bit more. Uh, closer to more of a traditional yeast mm-hmm. just because that funk isn't overtaking right, it, which right. is why I'm really digging it. And I guess that's what I was trying to say, but not saying nearly as well as you just did, uh, which is I like the funk. I just, there are some, there's sometimes when I taste a Saison that I'll say, yeah, it's interesting, but the funk does kind of overtake it to the point where I don't enjoy it as much. I don't go, give me another one of those. In this case, I'm going to be like, can I have some more? I want a case of this for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Like, this would be like, like some people can have wine. This Because this is kind of like a, a sparkling wine almost. It's, it's so good. Yes. It's definitely beer, but it has that mouthfeel of like a sparkling, dry, fruity wine. It's it's really, really interesting. I Man, good job, guys. As a distiller, do you, you, I don't know if you would know the answer to this or not, but is this, I wonder if this style of beer is a more difficult one to brew uh, something that really works and is balanced than maybe some other styles. You don't see as many farmhouse ales, you know? Anytime you're messing with wild yeast, that's always very difficult, especially for brewers because their yeast, if they get overtaken they can get overtaken by wild yeast and then it's very very difficult to to get rid of that and to go back to something more traditional um so i think for me wild yeast is always a difficult thing they can be very funky and very temperamental um because they are wild yeast well in this case they found it like they they found the balance in this and this is this is maybe one of my favorite farmhouse ales i've ever had it says what began as a dream and a side project has now grown into our 100 percent barrel aged brewery passion experimentation and patience drive the creation of our rustic saisons wild ales and spirit barrel aged ales as we share our craft with you we hope you enjoy it with uh your friends as well, visit us at sideprojectbrewing.com. So, so uh, everything they do is is barrel aged, then. So yeah, and an interesting note: one of my uh, uh, brew club members posted on uh, on the comments that they had it as a pass around uh, at the meeting 
a couple weeks ago, and everyone thought it was fantastic. It, it really is good. This In is, fact, this is I was just going to mention, if you're someone who's been a little bit shy of Saison's or farmhouse ales or sour ales, not that this is really that sour, but this is a great one uh, to go to because this is maybe a little more accessible yeah. uh, than some of them. It's so refreshing when you're drinking it. Really it really is. I mean, really especially is. if, you know, like right, being a you, distiller, sir. you're drinking a lot of heavier, really rich stuff, or if you're drinking uh, a lot of... right. You know, stouts and whatnot. Typically, this is something that just cuts through and is a really nice break. And at two point five, I'm surprised that we're all enjoying it as much as we are. Well, you know, it's like you said. You know, you're so used to like the big heavy flavor. Even with a saison, like saison can have that big funk and it can have a lot of different things going on. But this right here, uh, I'm amazed that they get this much flavor going on, and the mouth feels awesome and it's super refreshing. The mm-hmm. finishes, like they nailed this. This, yeah, this, this might is, be this is in my favorite style. One of my favorite things ever. My favorite in this style I've ever had uh, easily, uh, and and we've had a couple of really good ones on the mm-hmm. show here. So uh, it's not a style that I buy a lot, but I will definitely look for more of this one uh, whenever I can from uh, Missouri, Maplewood, Missouri. And Side Project Brewing. Well, uh, Robert Licorice is here. He's the founder and distiller for Iron Root Republic Spirits. Um, Robert, you do uh, whiskeys. You also do other spirits at Iron Root as well, don't you? We do. Um, we have a few yeah. spirits that we have just at the distillery. But the other thing, other than the whiskeys that we do um, a little bit more of, uh, is grape brandy. Mm. Um, and then, again, we'll get more into that later. But... Um, my brother and I come from more of a cognac and French distilling background. Interesting. Um, and so we have a lot of those things impact how we make our spirits. So for us, we had to make some grape brandy. And that's been – it's been an adventure finding the right grapes and getting the getting to pull them off the vineyards at the right times and everything like that. But it's been um, – that's definitely a passion project. And that's going to be coming up here in the next couple of years. It's We've got some five-year-old brandies uh, at the distillery right now. So – it, we're going to start looking to release probably seven to ten year old somewhere around there. Wow. It's amazing how far forward you have to look when you start a project. They're like, I think I want to make brandy, and it'll be ready in five or seven or ten, ten years. years right? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a, I, I have to admit, no I'm, instant gratification there. I'm a little no. too impatient for that. I really am. Like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, like I'm thrilled when somebody says, "Oh, try this. It's the 21 year." I'm like, "Oh, great!" And I don't even stop to think that whoever made this started 21 years ago. <laughs> you know, right. it's like. Wow, you know that that they have greater patience than me, uh, for sure. But uh, is there uh, is there a uh, obviously not like the market for whiskey, but is there a market for brandies? Is that something that's growing as well? It's definitely growing. I think barrel aged spirits in general have been growing, mm-hmm. but as the American whiskey boom has really just risen in the last you know decade, but really six years even that it's really just taken off. As some of the you know, the better American whiskeys are getting harder to find. Mm-hmm. People are starting to turn to stuff like rum and, and brandy and cognac. And you're hearing Armagnac a lot more, yeah, which yes. is one of my favorite things in the world. I, you know, I told Chris Hart that we need to, He's an do, Armagnac fan. We need to do a project, like a, a whole event, and call it Armagnacathon. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's <laughs> oh, just yeah. so good. That's just so good. Chris probably said, eh, it's not a very good idea. I sent it out and as then a text. started working on I it. I sent it out as a text, and then my next text says, that's funnier if you say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they uh, um, and they they don't they they haven't really felt it yet in the Armagnac region because they're quite a bit different in how they even approach spirits from than the cognac region because mm-hmm. their primary thing is, is winemaking, and they make Armagnac basically kind of as a side thing. It's their literal their insurance that they do every year. 
So if they have a year where the wine doesn't make, then they'll sell off barrels of Armagnac. Or if their kid's getting married, they'll sell off a barrel of Armagnac <laughs> to pay for the wedding. So they're not a whole that. lot of like like people who are or brands that are just just making just making Armagnac. It's well. they're primarily winemakers. Um, when did you guys uh, start Iron Root Republic? We started 2014, August of 2014 is so when we started distilling. So pretty early as it relates to this, you know, particularly to the Texas whiskey uh, and spirit boom. We're, right? we're babies. I'd say in the, I mean, Texas whiskey in general is a baby industry. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or maybe we're in the, the toddler favorite phase <laughs> right now. But uh, I'd say we're kind of, we're more of a, the second kind of generation of mm-hmm. uh, distillers coming in. At the beginning, you had Balcones and Garrison right. and those guys. Mm-hmm. And then we're probably that second generation that's sort of coming in. And now you're into the third one. I would say, but yeah, because there's so many brand new ones, like yes, you so know, many. really that have started within the last year to two years. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of Texas. There's so many great ones. Well, that's going on. that's what's really good, you know. And and I'll I'll say this: it has gotten a lot better. But for years, if you wanted to drink Texas wine, you were doing so because of state pride. Yes, you weren't. Yes. You weren't <laughs> drinking it because it was the best. You know, you you were necessarily finding really really great wine that's begun to change but it's taken some time that didn't happen with texas whiskey i mean there were really great texas whiskeys from almost the get-go of this recent you know uh, bloom in in texas whiskey and now it's like man there's so many great ones and uh, including one that just won oh i don't know best whiskey in the world hello uh, that's that's huge <laughs> yeah that's that's huge so Yes, absolutely. It deserves, if anything deserves a tinny electronic clap, that yes. would be it. That would absolutely <laughs> deserve more than be that, it. but I only have so many hands and one of them was on um, the machine. Robert, what should we start with uh, tasting wise here today? Uh, I've got five whiskeys for us to go through today, so I figure we Challenge accepted. Start yeah. with the lowest, uh, the easiest kind of, uh, the mm-hmm. easy drinker, and then All we'll right. move up to the crazier stuff after That's that. Great. So. That's great. I, I like dr- that your easy drinker is already overproof. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just like the phrase "easy drinker" because people have called me that. On, For on anybody out there who doesn't know what overproof means, most uh, whiskeys are are uh, bottled at forty percent or yeah, 40, forty forty uh, proof, proof, which right, is eighty yeah. percent uh, alcohol by volume. Uh, which is and overproof is anything yeah. over forty percent, which is slightly higher than the farmhouse ale we just had. Yeah, which was 2.5. Yes. yes, absolutely. All right. Well, this. Mm-hmm. And this is, tell me which one again, and let's so put this, this bottle on Mr. Twirligig there. Uh, All right, we're usurping the yep. Saison here. Harbinger XC is the name of this one. So this is the, again, XC is Roman numerals for 90 proof. So on the Harbinger line of bourbons we do, this is the 90 proof version okay. of it. So. Um, kind of what we specialize in is two kind of things I'd say kind of set us apart. We one um, was that kind of French tradition that we come from uh, that mm-hmm. we came from with Hubert Germain Robon, who started a distillery out in California after being a master cognac distiller and and mm-hmm. cognac for for a number of years, um, and his apprentice Nancy Fraley. And so we have the French side that really got taught into us, and I'll dig into that as we go on. But um, also we use a lot of heirloom corn, so. Uh, where a lot of bourbons are that flavoring grain, the thing that really makes those bourbons stand out is either the wheat or that rye uh, mm-hmm. characteristic. We decided to go a little bit different direction and just really focus on the corn side of w- what was going on. So we use a lot of bloody butcher corn, purple corn, Floriani corn are going to be part of our, we have four core mash bills. So we have those three and then a low rye. Harbinger is going to have a lot more of the purple corn and bloody butcher corn in it. 
Um, so you get a lot of fruit, a lot of sweetness. It mm-hmm. can bring out a lot of caramel. And it's uh, definitely corn forward. I oh, mean, you gosh, can, yeah. You can totally right. tell that the corn is the... Uh, the primary uh, oh, thing in the no match doubt. bowl, yeah, no but, doubt. But it's 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 a really and a lot of people, you know, if you're not used to this in in whiskey, you may think, well, why would you want corn? But it, like it totally, <laughs> this your palate totally, totally works. Yeah. So you can right off the nose, you get that corn sweetness in the smell, but mm-hmm. you also get this really mineral earthiness that happens. Mm-hmm. And you know what's funny is, I I put my nose in the glass and smell it, and then I took my first sip and it. The initial taste of this is exactly the nose, like it hits. That's a, yeah, that's it a good hits your palate exactly like the nose, and then it finishes with like caramel chocolate, like a Rolo chocolate cinnamon it's almost. Yeah, absolutely crazy the aftertaste on this, how it just warms up and blossoms, and it's it really kind of does this thing where you 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 it goes through the palate and then it just blossoms into this chocolatey flavor in the back of the palate. That's that's. Awesome. It's really wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's really wonderful. How did you get into being a distiller you, in man. the first place? Like, how did you learn how to do this? Uh, so I was getting ready to graduate from law school and then decided I did not want to be a lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. So I decided what better idea than to uh, drag my brother away from his paying job in 401k and uh, go on a crazy <laughs> adventure. Um, so we had years before visited a small distillery and we said when, when we retire, this is what we were going to do. We we're going to start right. a distillery. Me getting ready to graduate from law school decided why why wait till I'm retired when I have like a that's a lot of years to retire. Yeah, yeah. that's a long time, <laughs> and I want whiskey now. And and by the time you retire, you'll have some of that older whiskey that we talked about. Exactly. Yeah. And you know I'm young and dumb right now. I've got all the energy in the world. Why not get out there? And no one's relying on me, so I might as well. You know I can spend as many nights as I need to at the distillery. Right. And so we just kind of jumped into it and. Um, what we decided was, well, neither of us knows how to make whiskey, and I think my mother pointed that out very strongly, very <laughs> quite, quite adamantly to us. There's, there's Leave one, it to mom. one small problem with <laughs> your plan, gentlemen. <laughs> neither of you know what the heck you're doing. Um, so, so what did you do? Uh, so, like, for us, we were like, well, if you don't know how to make it, go to the people that do know how to make it. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we kind of traveled all around the country, and then we, um, my mom and I actually went out first to uh, Kentucky, Obviously, they know how to make whiskey out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard there's whiskey in Kentucky. Yeah, I've heard. I've, there's, there, they may, there's a few distilleries there. There's a whole trail of, uh, <laughs> of it somewhere out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we went out there. Um, from there, um, we decided, well, okay, we've seen that version of making whiskey, but there's tons of other distilling methodologies. And even they were all a little bit different from each other. And so we're like, well, let's go and see what else there is. So that's... Um, how we ultimately found our way to Uber and Nancy Fraley um, with this French methodology, and we just kind of fell in love with it. Again, I'd, we'd been Armagnac cognac fans all along, and that just kind of solidified that that's what we—that's mm-hmm. kind of the direction we wanted to go. Especially since we knew we were coming to Texas, and the French have a specific way of dealing with barrels and oak and tannin. Um, for us, that made a lot of sense. If we're going to be here in this intense environment that is Texas. Why not use some of those uh, techniques? So um, that's really where we kind of dug into those French, the, not only the distilling methodology, but the how they manage their barrel rooms is really okay. um, so a process yeah. they call elevage, which literally means to raise spirits. And so you're tasting barrels constantly. It makes 
way more fun to uh, be in the barrel room. Say, uh, I'm already in on yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. So Love this idea. Every three to four months, we taste through every barrel in the warehouse, and we're tracking how it's aging, how it's maturing. And, um, again, from there, we can adjust barrels. We can I can change proof in cask. For non-bourbons, I can actually move it from barrel to barrel. Um, again, move it to a barrel that's more exhaustive. It's got too much oak. Or it's not pulling on enough oak. I can move it to a different barrel that has more oak. Um, you can change the proof in barrel to encourage whether you're pulling out the wood sugars or more uh, let it go higher proof if you're going to want more tannin and uh, more phenols, smoke, that type of stuff, vanillins up there as well. Um, so you can really play around and really individually tailor each barrel. Um, so you don't sound like a guy that started out not knowing what he was doing. <laughs> you know, I mean, you seriously, like you're you're. This is something you've really absorbed and learned along the way. It, it is, and again, even even since we started, it's been a learning process. Again, Denison is actually sister cities with Cognac, mm-hmm. and so. Because Denison is where the distillery is. Right. So we're basically you drive north till you see Oklahoma and then you hit the brakes and it's, we're right on Which right is on the always a good idea if you're driving north towards Oklahoma. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. We just lost I, both our Oklahoma yeah. listeners. I think I've been there once. A, a friend of mine's parents yeah. retired there. Isn't there a big golf community out there? Uh, I mean, there's a couple of golf courses out there. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah. It's so, entirely possible. But. So, But this is where you uh, started the distillery and your sister cities? Is Cognac. With yeah. Cognac. Denison, Texas, is sister cities with cognac. That's crazy. Yeah. I love it. And so there, I mean, there's an actual reason reason for that too. So, back in the late 1800s, a guy that was living in Denison was a famous viticulturist, and so he was trying to figure out how to grow European grapes in the U.S. because we have mm-hmm. all these diseases here that would kill grapes after a couple of years. Um, and so he found that there was a Texas grape um, that why the grapes were terrible for making wine or eating. They're extremely hardy because it lives in this crazy environment. So he started just grafting the European grapes on top of these Texas grape roots. and To see if he could come up with a, a combination that made sense. Right, and, and they, would be they began to flourish. And so it's resistant specifically to something called phylloxera, which is uh, it's a little kind of – it's transferred by little mites that kind of burrow into grape roots. And the Texas oh, sounds grape- like something from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, I was yeah. going to say, I thought it was a Star Trek character. <laughs> I, 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 phylloxera. I remember that oh, episode. Yeah. Uh, um, but – uh, but it's resistant to uh, some of the things resistant that are- to that, and mm-hmm. so in that same time period, phylloxera, because of steam engines and transfer between different continents, was much faster. Got switched over to Europe, and when it got there, it was like smallpox hitting. It wiped mm-hmm. out over eighty percent of the French grapes. Um, Bordeaux, Burgundy, Cognac were all decimated. Um, mm. You've gotten to Italy and Spain and, I mean, all and in Germany. And when was this? What time period? Uh, late 1800s, early 1900s. Okay. Yep. Um, so yep. turn of the century. Um, and so the French, you know, after losing a lot of grapes, freaked out a little bit. So they started scouring the world trying to find solutions. And this guy in Denison had been sending documents to the Smithsonian. They didn't do any grape research, didn't really care about it, So they just kind of put it in a box in the corner. And when the French showed up, they were like, hey – we don't do any research on this, but there's this weird guy in Texas that's sending us stuff. Why don't you guys take a look at what he's been doing and see if it works? Next thing you know, he's sending them the Texas grape roots. They're bringing it back over. And now uh, that region, France, and most of Europe's grown on – their grapes are grown on top of descendants of Texas so grapes. So Denison, Texas saved the French wine industry. Yes. That, that's amazing. What a great story. Yeah. That's so awesome. I love that. Uh, and I love this, by the way. This oh, is thank you very much. this is also one of those, and and I, I love this when I have uh, opened a whiskey and poured it at home, when it seems to get more and more enjoyable yep. each, with each sip. And this definitely has that. Now to I got to ask you when 
is this what you envisioned when you just started making this, or did you taste it out of the barrel and go, "Oh yeah, that that was totally it, guys"? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's been a, it's been a again an evolving thing. Again, when we started out, I think um, one of the things that Nancy brought to us was like envision the you know the profile that you're looking for because that's how you're going to decide how you're going to you know try to make your whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we wanted something that had some chocolate to it. We wanted something that had like an um, earthy minerality because to me that's a little bit more refreshing on the palate and we wanted something that was distinctively a little bit different than what they're doing in Kentucky because if I'm just copying what Kentucky's doing um, yeah you're going to get a lot of state pride stuff for doing a good job of that style but at the end of the day they can do it cheaper and more right, likely they're going right. to be able to do it better because they've been doing it 100 years. Such higher aspirations than like if I were doing it I'd have been just like Okay, what I really want is for this to not suck. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that would be what I was. Well, I'm, for. I, I'm constantly amazed at how you come up with the different flavors uh, on these. Like one of my favorites is uh, whiskeys right now uh, is actually local, Whitmire's, and it's very oh, chocolatey. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The single malt that he did is oh, yeah. so chocolatey that's, and that's fantastic. The one. I absolutely love that. This is Shout chocolatey, out to you, but Travis. it's a very different kind of chocolatey. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I saw he was yes. on here, too, a little while ago. <laughs> That's great. But uh, but this is a different kind of chocolatey mm-hmm. flavor, so it's mm-hmm. interesting because it's it's chocolatey but not the same chocolatey. And they're both whiskey. I don't know. It's I, I'm fascinated by how you I find these different I love it. All right. bits of that. we got to take a break. We'll uh, come back and talk about this uh, even further when we do a, 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 our next whiskey tasting. What are we, uh, what are we going to next, we got Rob? Promethean coming up next. So now Promethean. we're doing... Now you're really starting to sound... That sounds like a ship, like a Star Trek ship. You know? <laughs> it should be. It should be. <laughs> I was on board the Promethean. And then we're trying Event Horizon. Yes. Uh, and after that right. is going <laughs> to... Uh, right. Uh, but what I, we will also be trying next, and this should be interesting, is an IPA, a Citrus Smash IPA from Brooklyn, New York, from King's County Brewer Collective called Robot Fish. And uh, so we'll show you the Robot Fish coming up here in just a moment. Uh, it's Smoking and Toast and show number 174, halfway to 200. We'll be right back. Back. It's smoking and toasting at show number 174. We are brought to you by the fine folks at BME Butchers and Restaurant, 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And of course, these guys are now operating uh, the Annie Cafe and Bar, which is, um, you know, Cafe Annie was one of the first legendary yep. Houston, like, top-tier restaurants, and it went on for many years, and now these guys have taken it over. They brought back the original chef, and they've revitalized the menu, and uh, apparently it's doing gangbusters, so uh, go check it out. It's the Annie Cafe and Bar. It's on Post Oak in Houston, if you are in the greater Houston area. Uh, welcome back to the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. Hi, Mom. Uh, uh, hi, Mom. Uh, that's why we're world-famous. I I'd said I was not willing, uh, Robert. I'd said I was not willing to say that we were world famous until my mom actually knew about the show, <laughs> and it took a while, but she is now aware, and so 
uh, I'm now not at all embarrassed to say uh, that we're world famous because if my mom knows, we've definitely we've definitely cracked some sort of public consciousness out there uh, somewhere. Because my, my mom, mom knows now too, so yeah, you my, have two moms. Yeah, but see, my mom doesn't smoke or drink any alcohol, <laughs> so there was a there was a little bit higher wall to climb there, I think, uh, uh, perhaps. So uh, speaking of smoking and drinking alcohol. Uh, the front man for the Christian rock and roll band Striper, Michael Sweet, who I think, by the way, is really a talented dude. Yep. Um, he uh, has pushed back against criticism over a photo that he posted on social media. On Monday, February 17th, on his Instagram feed, <clears throat> he shared a picture of himself and Striper bassist Perry Richardson smoking cigars. Along with the caption, we're long overdue, we're enjoying a long overdue day off and celebrating uh, in San Antonio. I haven't smoked a good cigar in probably a year or so at least. Thank you, Barry Richardson, for this moment. Life is all about celebrating with my love uh, at Champagne Suite 21, which I believe that's his wife. Uh, uh, good times. This is what it's all about. Next time with you hash, at, at Prime Ministries. Uh, so being that Striper's an openly Christian act, some of the band's fans have reacted negatively to Michael posting a photo of him and the bass player okay. are, smoking are cigars. Christians not allowed to smoke cigars? I don't know. See, I, I know Is it an of, unchristian thing to smoke cigars? I don't think I know, that's completely I know ridiculous. of a church uh, right, you know, not too far from where I live uh, where they they actually have a cigar club at the church. Like there's guys from the church who will get together, you know, once a month or so and and enjoy smoking cigars, uh, you know, and and fellowship, uh, if you will, together. So I, I don't know that I don't know that that's a thing. There's not uh, apparently the people who have a problem with this point out that the Bible contains uh, principles showing that God does not approve of unhealthy and unclean habits, and thus smoking would be a sin. Isn't worrying about what your neighbors are doing more than what you're doing an unclean habit? Well, I, I would I would just tell you this: I don't know a lot of Bible verses, but I do know some, and I do know there's one that says. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So if you're yes. throwing stones at Michael Sweet, you're already just as guilty as he is, you know assuming what, he's guilty. You know what really sucks is what? this poor guy was just happy to he sit was, down, right, right. chill with a cigar, right. and have a good time, and wanted he, to share his happy moment. He, right, he and, and this band. is the crap that he gets. Right, right. that's exactly Because right. someone cares more about what he's doing than what's going on in their own life. Their and own I want to point out that if your job... It's to sit around and worry about what other people are doing. You must have a really, really, really good life, and yeah. I'm envious of that person. Well, I guess so. I don't know. Because holy cow, Glass. I've got enough stuff for me to think about. Glass houses and all, you know? <laughs> Un yes. Unhealthy yeah. habits. That is a giant genre of oh, things. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. what? Are you upset yeah. that he yeah. ate at McDonald's? Yeah, too? I was just like, like, what's going on? Don't eat a cookie. Yeah. Clearly, Jeez. you don't eat fast food. Because, mm. and this is what I've been able to tell. You know, whenever somebody says to me, you know, smoking a cigar, that's bad for you, I go, everything. Is bad for you. Everything. There is nothing. You can drink too much water and die. That's true. You know. I mean, it's it's just you have to, you have to. Too much sunlight. Too much sunlight. Too much. Right. I'm too much not sunlight. To right. Too many vegetables can kill you. Yes. Y you know, uh, it can happen. Maybe not all the time, but it too happens. much meat. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, it doesn't matter. Too much. You say too much, anything. Right. And it could kill you. Right, mm -hmm. cell phones kill people. They're staring at it while they're driving. Yeah, but you know, cars kill people all the time. Why aren't they mad at cars? Well, and of you know, course they we, kill women and children and everything else. We talk about this on the show a lot, though. Is that you know we live in a time of what we call outrage culture. People always seem to be looking for something to be pissed off about. You know, 
Yeah, well, they got to be their own victims. Yeah, is, is what really boils so, down to. So, <laughs> Michael Sweet, enjoy. Heck yeah, enjoy your cigar. And just for you, I will go on Spotify today and stream "To Hell with the Devil," one of the Striper songs. Nice. The only one I can remember the name of. But, Soldiers under God's command. Oh, the, there yeah. you go, Soldiers. Honestly, uh, oh, see, you remember more than I do. That's come good. On. That's good. Striper, man, they rock. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to show number 174. Speaking of uh, speaking of rocks, we had a beer in the first segment that I think we were all just blown away by. Yeah, it was super good. And it may have set the bar pretty high for this IPA. We are about to try a Kings County Brewers Collective Robot Fish Citrus Smash IPA. And by the way, this may be one of the coolest cover arts of any, uh, I still call it cover art, which shows you like, that's a music business term. You're old, term. dude. Yeah, I'm old. Uh, but, like, uh, like, music hasn't had cover art in a long oh, yeah, time. Yeah, decades at this point. You uh, know, I teach kids how to play guitar. Sometimes a book, you know, like a guitar teaching book, comes with a CD in there. Yeah. And multiple times kids point at it and go, what is that? They don't even know what a CD is. You like, be this kidding is for me. real. You don't even know what it is? So no one uses it. When's the last time you actually physically put a CD in something? Yeah. It, 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 right? Yeah. See? Exactly. It's been a while. It's been a while. You know? You don't even this use is, DVDs I think, anymore. I think that tactile and that uh, that that tactile thing, and then the visual perspective. I think this is why albums are coming back in such a, like the vinyl, right? Because are coming back in such thing, a yeah. uh, in such a, a big way. Because you know, I remember when an artist came out with a new album. Man, you bring it home, and you just stare at the artwork, and then you pull it out, and you want to look and see if they have the. A fold out with the lyrics and all this other yep. stuff going on. I mean, it was that was an experience. It wasn't just oh, there's a song, go. And if your favorite artist put out a new album, there was something really exciting about that moment between when you put the needle down and the first note played, where you were hearing just the little crackle of the needle and yep. waiting for the song to start, waiting That's for it. True yes. Nirvana, right there. Yeah, yes, it is. Uh, Kings County Brewers Collective Robot Fish IPA. It's a uh, citrus smash IPA. Kings County Brewers Collective is out of Brooklyn, New York. We have actually tried one of their beers on the show before. I don't remember how it did. I think we liked it. Uh, but now we are... Uh, I will tell you, the artwork on this is amazing. Yeah, it really is. And, and clearly this is one of those... Josh is going to be sorry he's not very, watching this very one. Very juicy IPAs. Yes. Well, Josh, it didn't Josh, Josh only listens to the show, right? He only listens. He doesn't yeah. like the way we look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't blame him for that. But you do miss some great cover art, if I can use that phrase. All right, the guys. story behind this is I have a friend of mine who listens to us on podcasts and never... Because he's always driving around and he never yeah. gets a chance to, uh, to uh, watch the show. So, I so when we talk about how cool stuff looks, he's like, man, I never get to see it. So I try to describe it. This is a robot fish. It has this destructo robot looking thing going through. But it's also a little cartoonish, right? Like way, it's like way the colors yeah, oh, are yeah, very, very fun. And, yeah. I'm going to yeah. hold that up to the it camera. Isn't, it isn't it. like a dark looking thing, even though the robot fish looks a little uh, uh, a little aggressive. It's still the colors make it come off kind of fun and Saturday morning cartoon. That's nah, pretty pretty darn awesome. I'm yeah. going to date myself a little bit. It reminds me if the Transformer cartoon movie. Yeah. It looks like there's a fish thing during the like last part of it when they're in the junk planet. It looks like to me, it looks Are exactly you talking like about that. the one that White Lion did the soundtrack for? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Wait. <laughs> did I just date myself? Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to date myself a lot. I was a very lonely guy. No. Uh, but, but you know, uh, so this beer, uh, almost almost nothing on the nose. Uh, you know, uh, I don't, so I, don't really get I, I wouldn't say nose. almost nothing, but I will tell you, like, for a juicy, uh, 
What'd you call it? A juicy IPA? Yeah. Well, they're they're just, they're just calling it a citrus smash. Single uh, but citrus smash. Really, I expect it clearly more, is a juicy New IPA. England style IPA. It's hazy as all get out. Yes, yes it is. It's, mm-hmm. It is definitely hazy. Uh, although uh, it doesn't look. It's also very del- viscous. It it also is delicious. It's practically like drinking an orange juice that's been spiked with something. I say get a lot of lime and citrus on the nose. Uh, there is. Yeah, mm-hmm. there is some lime in there for sure. It's I, like get, a, I get grapefruit and lime, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a lot of zest, like a lot of the right next to the peel. Yes, or or those little those little stringy things in between the orange slices that get stuck in your teeth sometimes. So I will say, as the resident, you know, guy on the show that loves IPAs, this is really really good. Like this jumps right into my top top ten. Uh, but w- what do you think, Ian? Not being the IBA IBA guy, what what about you? I, I think it's good. I I have no problem. I could I could pound a can of that with no problem. I like the uh, I, I like the the citrus fruitiness of it. Doesn't have that super bitty, bitter, you but know, it still tastes like beer. Finish. Yeah, still you know, like it doesn't beer. just taste like orange juice to me. It has right. a beer flavor to it uh, with the other flavors. Um, the finish is super friendly on it. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Like, super friendly. You expect the finish to either be more bitter or more dry or more resiny, and it's not any of those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it finishes with a bitter snap, and it's just gone, like, almost instantly. It's really, really weird. Yeah, it's, like, really light. Like, it's yeah. the finish, and then... Yeah, finish and done. And done. Yeah. Like, so this is this is poundable is what this is. Yeah, it really is. And so, this would be... This would be... And you know how some IPAs are just, like, too... Heavy for like around the pool summer drinking. This would work for around the pool summer drinking, even though it's not necessarily a, a session. Well, can you see what the ABV is on that? Six point six, actually, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't. Yeah, it's pretty light. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it tastes pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I love single it. Single malt, single hop smash, India Pale Ale, hundred percent Citra, hundred percent uh, Halcyon barley. Maybe I'm saying that right. Halcyon. H-A-L-C-Y-O-N. It's the only way I know how to pronounce it. It says store cold and drink fresh, can 1216, so not too far out. Mm -hmm. It does Um, strike me as one you would want to drink pretty fresh. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, i got to tell you, it's two months out on this already. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wonder what it tastes like. Right out of the tap? uh, Right out of the tap. I bet it's even more. Even more exciting. Uh, No, this is is quite drinkable. I have have no problems with this. As as an IPA, I think they hit the mark on a lot of of it. I don't know whether it's – I'm going to assume that it's a limited release, uh, as so many IPA breweries are are doing now, where this isn't something you'll be able to get forever. But, boy, is it delicious. It really is delicious. You know, I love the fact that a lot of breweries are doing so many limited releases. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that makes me super happy because I always want to try different stuff. Uh-huh. You know, I always, well, and, and you know, that's like, why they're doing it. The only problem is if you stumble across something that you're like, "This is my favorite of yes, this style ever." That's the downside. And then, right, and then you're like, "Oh man, it's only going to be available up on. for another." So that's month. the downside. But if I go into a place that has like an extensive list, right, and I'll see a ton of beers that I absolutely love and are amazing. But you see one that you've but never had. But I try had. to find the ones that I uh, haven't of tried course, before, yeah. and that's where We're, I try to go I first. I think we all do that. And that's why so many breweries are recognizing that yeah. and doing so many more. There are some uh, breweries, I think of 
our uh, uh, friends that we've had on the show at Indigenous uh, Brewing. Yes, that uh, th- those guys. That's all they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. is is change out their things. And oh, they were at the Houston Whiskey. Speaking Social. Speaking of which, did you try that fruitcake and friends beer they Dear had? God, that was good. And I, did you try that from the? No, I didn't get a oh, chance to try that. Man, there. that stuff was so good. Oh. From the name, I didn't expect to like it, and it was delicious. It was absolutely amazing. Like yeah. it was so good, I wanted to put it on my nipples, and are not even sensitive. <laughs> yeah, this, there you go. And then what was the other? What was the porter they had? Uh, there was a bourbon barrel aged porter oh that they had that was, God, that yeah, was it was good. crazy yeah. good yeah. too. But Those that, guys have got it going on. Um, That's the one I had. Yeah, yeah we, we I really you know, and and as often as they change beers, I was thinking we should just have them on the show once a month. Yeah, right. You know, because they would have they would have new beers and be back with. Uh, uh, but they've done some great IPAs and the other things uh, as well. So, so really, really dig those guys. And They're up in the humble area. Shout outs, yep. Mm-hmm. Shout outs yeah. to all of them. Um, so uh, Robert Licorice from uh, uh, Iron Root Republic is here. Robert, are you? Do you and your brother share the distilling duties, or does it fall more on one or the of the other? Who 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 decides? Okay, this is what we're going to distill next. My brother is the head distiller, so okay. it's going to fall mostly on him as far as setting schedules and doing that. Um, I get the, uh, the 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 wonderful job of starting things up in the morning generally. So mm-hmm. thank you guys for getting me out of that this morning. I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, Happy to, and like, I get you. to sleep in. <laughs> now I understand why he brought so many good bottles. That's right. right. That's right. Um, so uh, he's the one that kind of heads up production. Again, coming from his engineering background, he's got so many degrees I can't even count all the I's are dotted and yeah, the T's are crossed and the- industrial engineering mechanical engineering biomedical engineering he's got he's got them all um, and so he really focuses a lot on especially on the front end right. um, and then doing especially initial blends and stuff like that mm-hmm. he takes a lot of lead on those things see I, and I think that's awesome like it, it puts you in a good situation because he can handle the heavy lifting on that and you can be the guy who goes yeah, that's not quite right. We'll keep going. You know, oh, <laughs> I, so I would rather be that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it tends to be a lot more fun. Yeah, uh, to right, do that. Right. And, uh, or, uh, at least oh, in no. my opinion, oh, no. oh, <laughs> you no. may disagree with that. Go, go with your strengths, sir. Mm-hmm. Go with your that's strengths. Right. And remember, when you taste it and it's not quite what you wanted, it's like you need to keep working on this. When you taste it and you're like, "Oh, that's perfect," it's like we nailed it. Yeah. Together, right. we did right. it all together. Yeah. to try three more glasses. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of trying more glasses, what are we uh, mm, trying uh, next? So next up, we're going to try, we're going to break up the Harbinger, the round of Harbingers here with the mm-hmm. uh, Promethean. Oh, let's let's get that that on. Ooh. Oh, that was awesome. That may be one of the best ones we've ever had yeah. on the show. That was that, That's right up there with, uh, with Mark uh, shotgunning a beer while we were talking. <laughs> that's pretty <Yes>. good. <laughs> that just went on in the background. That will live on in uh, smoking and toasting uh, infamy. Uh, forever. Uh, all right. So the the harbinger. What are we? Uh, what are we doing? Oh here? my gosh! So with Promethean. Maple oh no! This is syrup. not harbinger. This is Promethean. This is Promethean. So oh this guy gosh. is. I want this on pancakes oh, right now. Oh gosh! Yeah, he is our. Just don't ask uh, me to put it on your nipples. Wait till you smell it. <laughs> He's our. This is our our workhorse. Um. So Ooh, at the distillery, baby. we use it for all of our old good. fashions. We're up to 103 proof now. So now it's. It's big enough to stand up in cocktails really well, but just on its own, too. I absolutely love it. But this guy is going to be focuses of the four-core mash bells, has more of the low rye and more of the Floriani Flint corn, 
which is where a lot of the spice and a lot of the flavor of this particular whiskey is coming from that Floriani corn. Did a lot this, more spice in this. Yeah, did this mm-hmm. start at a lower proof and you've worked it up? Is that what I detected you were saying? Um, so, yeah, we started with the 90 and this is the oh, 103. Okay. Oh, so we started, working, now yeah. we're working I, on I, I thought you meant this particular whiskey uh, started at a lower yeah, proof. Yeah, we, well, we, we do play around with barrel entry proof quite a bit, but um, this guy, I mean, generally they're going to start between 114 and 118. Oh, okay, that's Maple del- syrup and toffee. That is delicious. This like, is my this kind is of whiskey so right here. so good. Mm-hmm. This is just wonderful. Ian, what, did, what do you describe this as? Am I am I even close? You're like it doesn't taste anything. Like oh that. no no! I, I get we get a lot of <laughs> I, I, I get a lot of maple syrup. I get a lot of uh, that almost like a little Mexican chocolate. So it's got the kind of yeah, cayenne pepper the, spice. It's a little chocolate, mm-hmm. but it's not the same kind of chocolate. Was the first milk. one? No, this yeah. one's like a that one. The first one to me rides more like milk chocolatey, where this one has a little bit more of the dark chocolate, but the spice. It's like it's mm-hmm. been infused mm-hmm. with. Some sort of cayenne pepper. Um, mm. yeah, and this is all grain to glass, there. right? Yeah, it's all grain yeah. to glass. All oh. everything we do that says iron root on it is one hundred percent made by us. Now, there's nothing wrong with blending whiskey, but no, when you no, can no. when you can get this out of stuff that you have sourced, you know, the actual ingredients and distilled them yourself, grain to glass. That's that's very impressive. Very impressive. This is so good. No, thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, it, to me, and again, this is where you really start showcasing. We use a tri- uh, traditional, more a Scottish-style pot still for the, mm-hmm. for the whiskey, and it's got this downward angle off the top because we love really oily, heavier whiskeys, and this is uh, the viscosity really starts I don't, showing yeah, up I don't there. know if it'll even show up on the camera, mm-hmm. but the oiliness of this really sticks to the glass. Mm-hmm. Like, like, if you're familiar with wine, how the wine can have legs – this has huge legs mm-hmm. and sticks mm-hmm. to the glass, and and the oiliness as far as the as far as tasting on your palate, the oiliness spreads it across the palate and makes it linger a bit, but it really, really spreads it across the palate. It just hangs out with you, and yeah. so again, the really unique thing on, on this the that corn that we use that's going to be the primary in this one that Floriani corn is that it's a flint corn, which is more similar to popcorn than it is to the yellow dent that you use for typically most everything. Interesting. And so it has some just richness to it that we don't see with other corns. And so that's why we really dig into it. If you heat it up too much, sometimes you have to accidentally watch a movie. We do. We actually, we, uh, (laughs) ironically, we we do uh, roast some of the corns. And if we're not careful, it will turn into popcorn. We just end up having to eat it and then go and do do another batch. And then go put on Netflix. Yeah, Yeah, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. Yes, it is. That's right. Yes, it is. is. Uh, Speaking of popping popcorn, uh, I just wanted to mention that Sunday is the premiere of season five of Better Call Saul. Ooh. Uh, yeah, so very excited about that show coming back. Uh, you told uh, me that was good. I haven't oh, watched it. Oh, dude. Of course, dude. I haven't watched the, what was the, that's a spinoff from. Um, you, you don't watch Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad. Okay, you and it. my wife. I'm, I'm just going to strangle <laughs> both of you. It's only the greatest television show of all time. Yes, Ever. but. Ever. But, uh, I mean, I could watch it. I suppose I could. I could take my TV outside, but usually I like to sit outside with take your TV a whiskey outside. or a beer you know, and you know have what? a cigar. Dude, iPad. Boom. Or sometimes, sometimes even a pipe where I point like I'm about to say something and then don't All say right. anything so and gonna, put the pipe back in my mouth because so it looks you. awesome even if I'm by myself. Yeah, even if you're by yourself, it's it's very impressive. So I'm going to tell you what I do. Uh, so I've used the. Um, in you the have evenings. the perfect setup for I that, do. though. I do. It's the greatest <laughs> thing ever, and I'm so excited about it. I get I get all hyped up when I talk about it. It's taken me a little while to get it set up the right way, but I, I live in a high-rise apartment. We're up like 32 uh, floors, 
And uh, so I generally, when I smoke, I smoke on the balcony, right? We have a nice balcony there. And um, so I don't like to um, – uh, for a while I was smoking in the doorway when we, my wife and I would watch a movie. But then I'm standing up and, you know – some of the smoke's coming back in the apartment. That's not really the optimal thing. So finally, I figured it out. We use the Sonos sound system. I you just take it. a speaker outside with you. Uh, they have a Move speaker that's battery operated. Like it charges in a, a thing. It's called the Sonos Move. I pick it up. I take it outside. I shut the sliding glass door. I smoke to my heart's content, and the speaker keeps the sound perfect while I watch the movie through the uh, uh, through the uh, sliding glass door. And every now and then, I open up the movie and like blow a kiss to my wife. It's awesome. Yeah, I got like a 40-inch TV that I just sometimes pick up and take outside. Yeah, that'll work, too. But I don't want to do that every night. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> well, like it's not that heavy, but it's really awkward. Well, I don't know how we got from this amazing whiskey to uh, uh, to that, but that's... Uh, uh, this this is that something was a popcorn I, thing. This I is would so really good. enjoy while watching Breaking Bad. I, I really really okay. So this is this is something that I've done from time to time before. If you're sitting there with a, a chocolate cake, yes, with a little bit of uh, ice cream on top. You dump a little bit of this on top of there, and I say dump it because this would be amazing, like all over it. So right. Am I wrong? And you're Am not wrong. wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Phenomenal. Like Ugh. this would go so well with any dessert, anyway. Or stroop waffles. Imagine mm-hmm. this with stroop waffles. Oh my mm. gosh. Like I'm, wow. Yeah. Maybe I'm hungry. A little I'm, bit of coffee. Put the stroop waffle on top of it with the whiskey in it. Yeah. Oh we're man. Gonna, we're gonna keep thinking of desserts while we take a break, and we'll be right back. Uh, what are we trying in the next segment? We're going to try Harbinger, 115, the award winner. And then in the final segment, we'll try two. So uh, we're looking forward to that. And we also have uh, another beer to try, an Imperial Stout. So, Ian, stand by. We'll be right back. (laughs) This is so good. Thank you very much. You know, we might be able to just get in touch with the... uh, uh, the artist with the suffers, yeah. Suffers. I could call Cam. Do that. I don't have Cam's phone number, but I, I know people who know her. So uh, I, I might have John's phone number if he has the same number. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, there's an end. You know, there's, there's an, end. an end. You should go. You should call John. And I have ask played him. with the trumpet player before. And and tell John, by the way, and John plays trumpet for the suffers. Who yeah. that was that their bumper music. Tell John he would be welcome to come on the show and sample with us. Yes. When when the band is back in town, uh, we're speaking call. of a band that is based out of here in Houston, where we're based out of, uh, called the Suffers. They do Gulf Coast soul, and they're wonderful. It's really good. It's they're really good. wonderful. Yeah. They're just wonderful. <laughs> it's really good music. If you have uh, fantasized about dropping a few thousand dollars on a bottle of rare scotch, slightly more expensive than the Promethean, um, you might want to rethink that investment. Scientists have found that half the bottles of aged single malts they tested, and I'm talking about the really older aged bottles, were not as old as their labels suggested. Rare bottles of vintage scotch whiskey we're not necessarily talking about like a, you know, a, a, a Balvenie 30 or something like that. Right. Uh, yeah. But rare bottles of vintage Scotch whiskey, highly prized by collectors and connoisseurs, they command outrageous prices, so a lot of counterfeit single malts have become a bit of a problem. Enter an unusual solution, fallout from nuclear bomb tests conducted in the 1950s and 1960s, can actually help detect fake antique whiskey. 
You're now nodding. There's, you, you, know, you know about this. Now, oh, there's yeah. a silver oh, yeah. lining. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, <laughs> right. It's help, helping us everybody out. A glowing <laughs> silver <laughs> lining. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. It'll kill millions of people, <laughs> but we'll be able to, in the future, detect fake antique whiskey. Uh, no, nuclear bombs that were detonated decades ago uh, put the radioactive, uh, radioactive isotope carbon-14 into the atmosphere. And so basically what that did was it um, <clears throat> was absorbed by plants and other living organisms and began to decay after the organisms died. Traces of it can therefore be found in barley that was harvested and distilled. You're, you're nodding. You know this, right? Oh, yeah. Harvested oh, yeah. and distilled to make whiskey. Carbon-14 decays a, a, at a known rate. Therefore, you can actually calculate when you detect it in a whiskey. You can uh, calculate how old the whiskey actually is. Wow. And so this can be used to debunk some of the age statements that Again, this is not necessarily so much about whiskey makers who are lying about their age statements as it is about counterfeiters. Yeah, people who are coming you know, up with fakes. Yeah. an old bottle and yeah. trying to sell so, it for a million bucks. So, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And yeah. a lot of things some of the fakers don't know because it's not common knowledge that they talk about in the Scotch whiskey industry, but they actually will change the some of the barley varietals that they use every five or six years because they are literally constantly developing new barley varietals mm -hmm. for one reason or another and so the barley from the whiskey that was made in the 70s is not what's being used it's a different today. barley right yeah, yeah. Hey, same thing from the what was being used in the 50s is different so the, so you could tell by what kind of barley it was exactly which is something that would be testable and detectable oh yeah yeah that makes sense Makes absolute sense. This is what grain to glass people know, yeah. right? <laughs> it, it really is. Ian, sitting on Mr. Twirly Gig, we have our uh, our final beer for the show. Although we have one more segment uh, where, where we'll still be doing some more whiskeys, but uh, it's called Standard of Proof, and it is from uh, a, a really interesting brewery in uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, called Legal Remedy Brewing Company. It's an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels. I have a feeling this is slightly higher than the 2.5% ABV that we had originally. That's possible. Yes. And uh, at I thought, 12%, yes. Maybe, maybe you can work on uh, getting I believe that, that makes it. Very much times the proof. Yes, very much times the proof. Now, I noticed that this has got a wax-covered top. Can you just take that bottle opener and do that, or do you I need to? I was trying to, but it wasn't yeah. going to happen. It was a smoking and toasting uh, uh, long-stem bottle opener, so that was pretty cool. But wax. I know, awesome. I know you love to whip out the hunting knife. So, Dude, this knife is awesome. Yeah, I know. It really is. You check this out. Look. Fully auto, baby. Ooh. Oh, yeah! Isn't that illegal in some states? <laughs> yes, but not in Texas. <laughs> not in Texas. That's right. Uh, you know, because Texas, baby. Cause, yeah, because you know Texas. Uh, Ian is popping the top on this uh, bad boy, standard of proof. And uh, any anything from the opening uh, opening of the bottle on the nose? Chocolate. Oh, good. Uh, I think I think it's we a, can oh, all agree chocolate's a good thing. It's a good place to start. Yes, there it is. Yes, yeah, you know, chocolate has uh, been uh, threading through the theme today. My cigar had some chocolatey kind of flavors. Yes, we had some chocolate in that uh, Promethean. So yeah, chocolate in both of our uh, whiskeys so far. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, wonderful. We did not have chocolate in the IPA. That would actually be a little weird. I think that would have been a little weird. A chocolate IPA, yeah, Awkward. that doesn't that doesn't sound like a good thing at all. Actually, I think that's called a an American style barley wine. I think that. <laughs> I tell you what, the craziest thing that I've heard recently on the brewing side is we've got some friends at 903 Brewers in Sherman. Love 903. They're doing, they've 
been releasing this series of slushies that have just been fantastic, especially the last four or five that they've done have just been crazy. Mm-hmm. Awesome. They're doing a stout slushy, and Ooh. I have no Ooh. idea what that's going to be like. That's either like, going to be awesome. I can't see that or, being bad at all. Yeah, it's it's going to be – it's like a chocolate slushy, which – I mean, to me, that becomes milkshake then at that point. So uh, yeah. um, I can only imagine. I've heard of milkshake IPAs, but not milkshake stats. Yeah, so I'm, you know? I'm I'm excited. But, yeah, those guys are doing some really this cool This right stuff. here. Mm-hmm. You remember that barley wine that um, we pretty much hated last week? I'm trying to make it up to or you with this. So this was My goal was to bring this one in if and this, make it up to if you. If that barley wine tasted like this, because this is a stout. Yeah. It tastes very barley wine-like. The only it thing does, that yeah. separates it is the coffee uh, notes that you get in here mm-hmm. are very not-so-barley wine. But, but a little espresso in there, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that coffee espresso kind of flavor. But the rest of this, I mean, there is date and raisin in there. There is so much sweetness. Mm. Yeah, this is outstanding. It really is, really is good. Yes. Really is good. Uh, any thoughts? To me, like I'm getting a, almost like a fortified wine type now. Some some of the nuttiness and some of the some of that fruit. Like it was, again, it's bourbon barrel aged. So, but I'm getting it's some like pecan really cool, shell. Yeah, almost, yeah. That tannin that you usually see from those sorts of things. Like I'm I'm, I'm digging it. I, I I love this. It's like there's almost a and this may be crazy. There's almost a red wine vibe going on in yeah. there. Yeah, it, it, it it totally like a wine, uh, like a fortified wine type thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what I was getting on. It's got a certain, yeah, mm. it's got a certain yeah. uh, heft to it uh, also that I really like. It's it's like it it. I'm trying to say this correctly, but it just feels serious. You know what yes. I mean? Like when you drink it, it's like okay, I'm drinking something really, really real here. It's you know? not messing around. Right. Yeah. It's not messing around. No, it's, this is... The this flavors is, are delicious. This is outstanding. What was... um? We had somebody on here not too long ago that had the fortified wine, brought the... Uh, was that when Mark Burrell was here? No. What were we drinking that we weren't used to drinking on its own that you'd usually put into a... Uh, Sherry, Madeira, Port. Uh, I don't know. Was it Was it like a... Uh, wasn't a gin, was it? What do you put into? Let's see. I'll, I'll think about it. There's it, there's something in here that reminds me of that thing, but I can't remember what it is. But yeah, it's got the to me the nuttiness like um, that you see from vermouth. A, vermouth. Okay. That's what yeah. it was. Like You're right. Right. Oxidized and, wine a little bit. And we're yes. very yeah. not used to drinking vermouth by itself. Yes. You know who brought that? That was pretty crazy. Was it Chris Hart that brought the vermouth? No. Was it Pierre Ferrand or was it one? It was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Pierre Ferrand. I love those guys. Yeah. By the oh, way, can yeah. I just yeah. state that right now? We we have uh, Docs on the show regularly because I'm so like in love with their rums, and he somebody brings all kinds of. Great. Somebody has drink of vermouth, and we were like blown away by how good the vermouth. Right, we have by to go, itself was. We have to go back and oh. uh, and check that out. But this has a little of that vibe to it because of the the. It's sweet, it's thick, it's fortified wine, yeah. kind of. There's mm-hmm. almost a. Mm-hmm. I think it was Jeremiah. I think Jeremiah brought some. Was it Jeremiah that brought the vermouth? I think he did. I, we'd have to look no. back. Right. We'd we'll, have to, we'll look back We've done that. 174 of these. I, I can't remember say, every one of them. I only remember 172. Uh, about 172 of them. of them, yeah. But, right, um, right, right. 
<laughs> including the Lost Show. I, I don't so. remember the hundredth episode at all. <laughs> yeah, well, very few people do. <laughs> it was a, it was who, a long, long five there? hours. If you remember it, you weren't there. Yeah. Now you realize, of course. Robert, that uh, on the hundredth show, and we'll do this on the two hundredth as well, that everyone who's ever been on a guest uh, a guest on the show is invited. So you are invited officially to the two hundredth show. Be careful, be careful such things. <laughs> yeah, you're. Officially oh yeah, invited. this is this is so good, and I'm curious. Um, mm. Can I try? What was the one that had the uh, maple? Maple that Promethean. Can I try just the tiniest yeah, little bit yeah. in there? I want to see how they back each other. Because mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet that those two things are going to form like Voltron. Yeah, which would, by the way, be a little bit the, more bourbon in your bourbon barrel aged beer. I like it. And 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 the second Transformers reference on the show today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're we're hanging out in the eighties today. That's so good. Do you have any of that left? No, I don't. Well, mm-hmm. a tiny. Yeah, I've got enough probably to. Yeah, sure. But, yeah, I mean, but no, I mean, no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have nearly <laughs> enough right. left to. Uh, so what's funny is sometimes you'll find a beer and a whiskey thing that. Uh, Did you go beer first or whiskey first? I went beer first, but we've been tasting the beer. But uh, the whiskey after the beer is so uh, silky. It's almost like creme brulee whiskey at this point. You're so right. With maple. It has a creaminess to Mm -hmm. it that I wouldn't have necessarily noticed as much before. That's delicious. So we actually do a secondary fermentation that's a malolactic fermentation on the back end. That's really designed to amp that creaminess up of the whiskey. Again, everything we do is mouthfeel based because that's one of my biggest things is how does the whiskey feel in your mouth? How it feels on when your you're palate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's delicious. And go back to the beer is also amazing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't to, change the beer as so much do that, so. as you'd think, but it highlights the caramely kind of flavors mm-hmm. in the beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and right. the creme brulee right. notes. Yes, really yes, popping. and the, the burnt caramely kind mm-hmm. of things. And let me just say that's a fun is, thing together. There is not a thing wrong with creme brulee. Creme mm. brulee, not a thing wrong. No, but it does bring out that crusty top yes. layer. Oh, you know, for that, sure, the almost burnt flame triggers. Yeah, because the you coffee know, notes and the bitter on the beer really, really have that, that so same kind of thing. What's happening right now is to me one of the whole reasons that I love doing this. That that I. I Think people enjoy the hobby of trying these uh, these spirits, and when you're able to like go back and forth, and and things really complement each other well, and you're able to like get these experiences that you wouldn't get individually. To me, and and you're doing it with people you like hanging out with. That's what this is all about. Oh yeah, you know, it's the entire it's point. All about. Yeah. Speaking of which, yes, what are we trying next? So next up, we're we're doing the the big guy, the 115 proof Harbinger. Well, we'll do a single barrel later on, but um, this is the one that won the the big award. Oh, this is the one that won yeah. the big award, yeah. like best whiskey in the universe. I think best. was the award. <laughs> uh, so so I tell you what, we're gonna do. You pour that. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. We'll try two whiskeys in our final segment. It's smoking a toast in show number 174. Halfway to 200. We'll be right back. We're doing Spirits in the Studio with Iron Root Republic 
and uh, it is smoking and toasting. The world famous smoking and toasting. Hi, mom. Craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Uh, we're brought to you by B and B Butchers and Restaurant, eighteen fourteen Washington Ave in Houston. In the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, uh, by uh, ba- uh, Cafe Annie or the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard in Houston. BB Lemon on Washington Ave and BB Italia on Memorial in Houston. So, uh, you know, our sponsor is Houston based, but they also have a location in uh, Fort Worth. Uh, Texas, but our our listeners, our viewers, really are all over the world. So it raises the uh, question uh, for we we talk a lot about Texas whiskey and how proud we are being from the state. Can people find Iron Root Republic in states other than Texas, or do they have to come here to get it? No, they actually they can. So we're available in about thirty states. Uh, there's That's so awesome. Couple retailers yes. that sell in a few that will ship to a few more. So I think we're mm-hmm. available technically in about thirty seven states now. And eight countries. Really? Yeah, we uh, worldwide. We, so we partnered up with a company called Barry Maybe. Barry Brothers and Rudd out of the UK, and they do um, a special blend of our whiskey that their master blender does because they're the oldest independent bottler in the UK. They've wow. been around since um, sixteen ninety seven or something like oh, that. Just like, then. you know, just you know, the dropping the bucket age wise. Um, <laughs> And so they sell our whiskeys and uh, a blend of our whiskey for Europe and Asia and all over the place. So well, this should work really well for you uh, being on the show today because of the show actually being world famous. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, that's what I've heard. <laughs> so I'm glad you're here. We're really glad you're here, partially because we've enjoyed uh, tasting the whiskey so much. And now we are to the one that – So let's, Do you have that article yeah, with you? Let's, Can actually, I show that page? let's actually get this right. Yeah, uh, from um, Whiskey Magazine. Yeah. From Whiskey Magazine, that's a warm American whiskey. There you go, right? Yeah, that's, right. that's their American whiskey it's, release, right there. Right. And it's the World Whiskey Awards. A warm welcome, and look at you, number one, right there. Wow, dude! Yeah. How freaked out were you when you saw this? I honestly, we couldn't believe it. Honestly, it was a absolute shock. As I said, like there's never been a non-Kentucky-based whiskey that won it, or whiskey that originated in Kentucky that won it. And so it's it's kind of a shot across the bow, um, a little bit. Again, they put a little bit of target on our back a little bit. It, it, controversy was created. Um, right, right. The fact that a bourbon could be named from outside of Kentucky, uh, outside or, of Kentu- right, or Indiana, right. Um, did, were were some people trying to cry foul because they just didn't think that that could happen? I mean, a hundred percent. But again, not that I can fault them from that. I mean, some people like they love that traditional Kentucky Listen, profile. There's a lot of people uh, when an Irish whiskey won uh, the whiskey of yeah. the year, a lot of people were like, what? That can't be true. It can't be an Irish whiskey rather no. than, you know, something from, uh, you know, uh, something from the island, you know? So no. it's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's, it's really interesting. Tell me what this does to you because as we've talked about, you have to prepare whiskey quite a bit in advance before it's ready to go out. What does this do to your existing supply when something's named that? Obviously, that's gonna it's gonna see a spike in sales, it, right? It and it has, and it's it, it's draining on on current supplies because especially for us because we have this dedication that we've set out that every single release that we do of a whiskey. Will has to be older than the previous release we've done on it. Interesting. Not only does it need to taste better, but it will be the age statement will move up. So when you do your next release of a particular, uh, a particular blend uh, or a particular iteration, this will be an older version 
than the one you released before. Exactly. And so for the one that we sent in was the uh, 2019B. That was 27 months old, which is not only an insanely young whiskey. Like Again, Texas whiskey is so bold and brash, even at young ages. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's what's so much fun about some of these southern bourbons that are coming out of Texas, um, Louisiana, um, New Mexico. There's some really bold and brash whiskey that you can create here, which... Again, some older older whiskeys will be more elegant, more, again, they'll have this leather, tobacco, right, right, polish right. note to them. Um, but you can get some really unique brash. I mean, it's one thing I love about Whitmire's bourbons that he's done, uh, his single malts that he's done, um, but it's been so popular about Balcones and about Garrison, is that you get... All just such great names yeah. that you yeah, just yeah, I mean, there, it's, you know? it's it, to me, it, it's a to me it it's not as much about us as much as it's about Texas whiskey in general. That there is something to this environment. There's mm-hmm. something to what's going on here that you can create such beautiful, unique, spunky young whiskeys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not to men, not to, not not that we can't get older whiskeys because again, as I said, everything we do on our end is I'm, we're creating older whiskeys. We have whiskeys at the distillery that are you know, we're five and a half years old i've got barrel one five seven i mean the hbs the houston bourbon society just did a single barrel of barrel number it was six i believe from us um that was a five five year old two month i think is what it ended up being when it came out um that is a fantastic crazy fun bourbon that we did but there are such cool things that happen in a more dynamic environment that you get with some of the Texas whiskeys that you you can't get in other parts of the world. I want to get back to this specific whiskey in just oh, a second. No, but I wanted to ask you, because yeah. you brought this up, the the way that I hear you talking about these other uh, brands, these other Texas whiskeys, yeah. really is a part of what I really love about this. We see this in the cigar industry as well. There's a certain spirit of, even though everybody's competitors for the consumer's purchase, right? Mm-hmm. There's a certain sense of people being very supportive of each other. Camaraderie. And camaraderie, yeah. Is that real? Like, you you can say. You're only on... Uh, nobody listens to this show anyway. <laughs> you, can, you can say whatever you want. There's, there is a brotherhood or sisterhood, like, together. Um, again, because there are some uh, really wonderful women in the industry as well that are making crazy awesome whiskeys here in Texas. But there's this camaraderie that exists here that if you talk to Kentucky guys, it exists as well, not among their marketing departments as much, but among the people <laughs> that, see that, yeah. that actually make that product. Make it, yeah. um, and it, again, in Kentucky, you can say like when Heaven Hill had their big fire in the 90s, mm-hmm. the first person on the phone was, I think it was Jimmy Russell or it was one of those big guys calling them being like, hey, what do you need? We'll, we're here to support you. Whatever you need, we'll send over to you. Wow. We'll take care of you. And to me, that very much exists here. Like Balcones is, uh, and Garrison took us in early on, and we're like, "Hey, come down, hang out." Um, I mean, Dan, like again, went the very first one of the very first Texas whiskey experiences was visiting yeah. Dan Garrison and him. Who going, is awesome, by the yeah, way? Yeah, yes, uh, he he is a trip. Again, there is no bigger personality in Texas whiskey than Dan yeah, Garrison. Yeah. Um, and again, taking you in, going, hey, okay, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. Um, this is what we see. This is why we love our whiskey the way it is. Mm-hmm. And again, for in Balcones, again, we we in, did some intern stuff there really early on, right even before they won, you know, their big single malt award back mm-hmm. in the day that really kind of launched them. Um, 
really taught like how do you handle this environment how do you how you deal with what's going on in this texas you know heat and um intensity of the environment that we live in and it's like they bring you in and it, it, it's a family. I mean, when we get together, right. like we, we hang out. Like Jared uh, Hempstead, who's the uh, head guy over at uh, Balconies right now, is a very good friend that I could text or call any day. But like, hey, man, when you got your port cast, what did what did you see with this or what you right, know what, what right. are, and it's see, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like oh, the, absolutely that kind yeah. of camaraderie and. Uh, I started to use the word collaboration. I don't know if that's yeah. the right word, but the there's ability, collaborative whiskeys. There the, are but, right, but the ability for that to be okay for yeah. him to respond to I you just, on that, or for you to respond in a wanna, similar way to somebody. I want to back up. I want to back up to the root of what we're talking about here for a second. Um, the fact that everyone in the industry is supportive, you know, like in your position, everyone. Is super supportive, like especially within Texas because we have the Texas Pride thing. And then you get outside of that, and you you go speak to and you you talked about excluding the um, the, uh, uh, the 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 ad factory, so to speak. Yeah. Right. But everyone's so supportive, and that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. I think that we've been subjected to so much slander, propaganda in in so many ways, in so many different industries. That we just expect that now. I think you're right. And I think, I think right. that that's, that's just doesn't exist in this community. And the reality is that the better, uh, I, correct me if you don't think this is right, the better Balcones does, hmm? the better it is for you guys. 100%. Like it, it's something Balcones is from Texas. These guys right. are from Texas. I should try this. I should try this, right. I've, yes. I've already had a, one good whiskey I really liked from Texas. Yeah. Let me try these Not guys. only that. But the guys from Balgahonies hang out with the guys from Iron Root, who hang out with the guys from Garrisons, mm-hmm. who hang out with the guys from Whitmire's, right. who hang out with the guys. And it just goes down. Like, Absolutely. you should try all these. And I think that is, like, I've seen after some of the whiskey uh, events and stuff, an after party where everyone just shows up and hangs out. Everyone. Yeah. Right. Bring and a bottle it doesn't and hang matter out. if right. you're from a big huge conglomerate or if you're independent everyone brings a bottle and hangs love out that. and it's absolutely amazing to watch everyone talk absolutely it's been that. phenomenal i mean like we've got whiskeys at the distillery that jared um and zach um who passed away just uh, not too long ago um they came up and distilled with us one night and so we have barrels that they came up and distilled with us i've got uh, a barrel of whiskey at the distillery that um is actually literally a blend of our bourbon and Whitmire single malt because Travis and I and my brother that myself single malt's so good it's yeah. so good and again to the fact that I was able to secure some of that from him to to do <laughs> yeah. we have literally a blend of essentially what's a Promethean barrel and his single malt together oh, nice. which is just glorious it's been aging and again we blended it when I think the single malt was nine months old whenever we blended it and it's been aging since literally since Harvey. Because um, that's when we did it, and so it's wow. significantly older than even the single malt that he released, and in the whiskey that we typically release, and there that will come out at some point as a, it'll be a charity barrel that we do for something down here in Houston. Um, so we've got that up at the distillery. We've got plans uh, that we've got some projects going on that are blends of different Texas whiskeys with Balcones and us, and um, the Texas Whiskey Festival blend that happens every year. There's a great one coming out that is Lone Elm and Treaty Oak and um, 
Who's the third one? Oh my goodness! I'm my brain. loving this. Yeah. My my brain's killing me on the yeah. who the third one is. Uh, Ranger Creek out of San Antonio right. is doing yeah, that Creek. one. Yep. Um. Yeah, so they're doing this year's. Last year was Balcones Us in Andalusia. Um. And, and there's so much just collaboration going on in the industry that the Crowded Barrel guys are helping put on. Um. Cool stuff happening at Ben Milam out of out there as well. Um. Just really fun things. Um. Again people coming in and it's just again we all get together and we play around because that's what's fun in this that's industry. what's fun about doing yeah. it right that's why that's why we all got into this in the first place yeah. robert uh before we get you know we definitely went down a rabbit hole there <laughs> sorry and uh, no it, it's good but i we haven't really commented on the harbinger and ian i know your glass is already empty so you have done some. <laughs> he passes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you got to uh, go the other direction. Oh wait, I have the bottle. <laughs> but you've done some research, sir. So speak to us. All right. Do you remember earlier when I tasted the whiskey that I said was so good I wanted to rub it on my nipples? Yes. Even though was, my nipples weren't sensitive. Was that the Promethean? I believe. Well, this one I definitely want to rub on my. Oh wow! <laughs> wow. Well, Ian, this is. Um, this is the whiskey that won the award. Do you? So uh, here's what do you I think. back that up. What's what's your thinking? This is so good. So uh, the last whiskey that we tried, uh, the Promethean, was very uh, the Promethean was very maple, and uh, and a bunch of other stuff. This and a bunch of other stuff. I love that. Yeah. Well, you yeah. Go back and listen <laughs> yeah, to that. That's right. We've already been. We've already been there. <laughs> You've already heard me. I, I pontificated on it uh, at, at great length. This right here. It has uh, a little bit of the maple syrup still up front, uh, yes, like that has. But it's there, but uh, it also has a huge chocolate profile. It has a, this. If if the previous one was the creme brulee, this is the the uh, the chocolate mousse. So this yeah. is so silky and so smooth and so delicious. Yet the weirdest thing about everything I just said, it also has a very uh, uh, a very present alcohol bite to it, mm-hmm. a very present heat to it, and not in any bad or uh, uncomfortable way. It's not like you know, <coughs> smooth. It's like <laughs> you know, like, like oh, don't worry, we'll get to that one like, <laughs> here a little, a little bit. Like the guy on we're the Jägermeister bottle. Yeah. We're, getting <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're getting up there. No, but uh, it's interesting because this this lets you know you are drinking whiskey. Well, you were drinking alcohol right up, right off the bat, but it's so incredibly silky smooth. All the flavors. This also brings in a lot of, uh, gosh, there's the the mineral water. Well, yes, from yes. the beginning of the show, like from the first whiskey we tried, the mineral water is still there. It's like the water has been the one grounding thing in all of it. Well, you still get that minerality. I was just about to say that you, all of those flavors that you described, I would say put those into uh, like the the taste but add the minerality of a single malt scotch i also want to add you know? a little bit of belgian waffle kind of like it literally has a, a no, little no, bit i can't of let you do that then. readiness <laughs> that, oh yeah that's amazing yeah that's amazing it literally has a little bit of breadiness and almost like 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 that perfect breadiness with just a dash of that powdered sugar on top kind of like super silky this is this is this is as good as I've ever had. This have is amazing. You, have you ever been to New Orleans and been out like I've really, been there, really like late at night, and you uh, maybe had a little too much to drink the night before, and you get up the next day and you go have beignets? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 
I'm tasting a little of that. Yeah, okay, so you're getting what I'm saying. A little powdered sugar. Yes, a little, a little of that powdered, powdered sugar sweetness. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, See, I love it and when other nothing, people say it, because I'm not just making this up, There's apparently. nothing better, though, than that. <laughs> and and it's, like, it's not like I'm you know, not even going to, you know, sorry, uh, Michael, sweet Striper fans. It's not good for you, those beignets. Um, which means you should never eat them, uh, and I should something. never post a picture of myself on Instagram having one no. because that would be a sin. It'd be terrible. Yeah. Uh, I will, however, ask for a little more of this. This is good. Actually, mm. no, it's so good. I would ask for more, but I think we have we're, one more to sample. We're gonna, yeah, we got one more for this segment, and I got one for extra hours here. Okay, all right. So, so one more for this segment, and one for the bonus segment. Uh, so, oh, I love that we just cracked open something new. So I, I have to save this. So this, the last two we're going to do, so you've had Harbinger, which is the blend of that purple corn, bloody butcher, the little bit of flint, a mm-hmm. little bit of rye. The last two are going to feature corn's mash bills uh, individually. So this one is actually our corn whiskey, the Hubris, that's won Best in the World a number of times right, now right, right. from a bunch of different organizations. As but, corn whiskey. As corn whiskey. So it's a used barrel versus a brand new barrel. This one, next one's 100% corn, but this is the purple corn that you're going to get to taste. And the very last one you're going to taste is the bloody butcher corn by itself. Mm. So you're going to get to see I love them this isolated. Called bloody butcher. Oh, yeah, by I the love way. the name just I'm right sure off that the bat. It doesn't translate quite as hardcore as it sounds, but it's pretty awesome. It's, I mean, when you see it, it looks like blood. Like Does it's it really? dark, <laughs> nice. dark red. Nice. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're going to try this one. This will be the last one. So it's for not the, just like we need to make this corn sound cool. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. This will be the last one for the show itself, and then we'll do a little bonus segment at the end, after the end of the show, uh, where we try the uh, the bloody butcher okay, corn. Okay, so this uh, one you can you can smell the uptake immediately in um, in alcohol. Oh yeah. And what's the ABV on this? Or this what's is one seventeen point eight. Wow. Yeah, that comes across right on the nose pretty instantly. Don't worry, the last one's one twenty nine. This, so. is, this is this is now getting into the territory where Chris Hart would like it. Our mm-hmm. buddy, our buddy Chris Hart, who yeah. I call Chris Overproof Hart. Uh, Chris Overproof Hart, uh, who I don't know if if he's still with us. He was with us earlier in the show, but uh, oh, this has a like just on the nose. This has a very spicy. Like baking spice kind of thing going. Well, you're on. right about that. Very spicy on the on the uh, on the first set. clove cinnamon. Clove, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very yeah kind of dark spicy. So I have a question for you while we're mm-hmm. trying this and and look. Loving I it. was young. I needed the money. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, good. Good to know. Um, when so obviously you've got all of these at your disposal mm-hmm. when you're ready to go drink. So it's a it's a Thursday night and you're gonna. Like have a little uh, a little whiskey, um, what what would you go to drink? Like, would there ever be a time where you would drink one of the lower proof, one of the more oh, yeah. uh, like straightforward uh, things, what's, as opposed to going? What's your go to? Yeah, what's your go to? It depends on kind of what mood I'm in and what's going on. On when it's colder outside, I generally trend towards higher proof. Um, again, for me. Uh, I'm going to trend towards the 115 Harbinger when, yeah. it, especially during the winter, um, when it's like, if it's if it's snowing up in North Texas or it's something that's really this is the one I go to because the clove, the cinnamon reminds me. It's all those baking spices, all of in pies. Right. The, now you're starting I, to think about dig, the holidays yeah, and all of that. That's vibe. when I go to the hubris. Um, when I'm wanting something that's a little bit lighter, we start trending toward a little bit warmer months. 
Promethean is typically where uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to. I will generally venture between the three. Is kind of where I'm going to roll between. Okay. okay. The ninety proof, basically July and August is when I'm hitting the light. The light proof. Uh, I'll do. Um, there's something called a ranch water. It's simply done with mezcal or tequila, um, which is that Topo Chico, maybe some lime. Nice. <laughs> uh, Topo Chico. Oh yeah. <laughs> A little bit of again, if if you're at a pool, a little bit that's, of whiskey. That's Texas Perrier, right there. Yeah, it is, hundred <laughs> percent. If you're hanging out at a pool, like that's the way to go. It's something you can just keep drinking and roll, and that's when I'm going to jump on the low, low, lower proof stuff. But generally, when I'm drinking whiskey, it's going to be the hundred to hundred and plus uh, strength stuff. But I, f- I find I'm generally a fan of a more overproof whiskey. If I'm going to grab something, I figure you are. Mm-hmm. Now, now, do you have uh, first of all, what's your take on this, and second, what's this, your favorite of what you've tasted today? This right here, uh, first off, as you as you get it close to the nose, you can instantly, like, immediately tell the proof difference. Like this mm-hmm. smells big proof, it's like big right one. on nose. It, it actually is almost tingling into the nose. It's almost mm-hmm. too much. The flavor of it, though, what's uh, interesting is the first third of the palate like doesn't get any of that like it's just right. all sweet corn yes. and then delicious sweet and then here it comes and then the yeah. middle of the palate gets a little of the 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 the, the more mashy malty kind of mm-hmm. thing going on and then the finish on this like when you swallow and it's interesting because the swallow and the aftertaste are so different mhm mm. just to remind me on as well okay so swallow has a hint of malt, like malty chocolate, not chocolate like milk chocolate. We're not talking about like milky way. We're talking right, about like, right. like, like malt, like 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 malted milk balls kind right. of malt. Right, mm. exactly. And then it goes away and comes back with this whiskey hug that wraps around you like a thirty foot python. Oh, there's a real <laughs> whiskey hug going. <laughs> like on here. this is a very serious. Like this is a very big whiskey. <laughs> Yes, and it, it lets you know on the nose and on the so it's bookended by this huge, yeah, alcohol hug. Like it gets you on the nose at the beginning and it gets you on the uh, heat at the very end. And it's not in an unpleasant way. So I don't want anyone to think like, oh, it's like. It's and again, we're not talking about like uh, smooth. We're talking about like, wow, that's a big like warmth coming up. So I can see why you go to this in the winter because, holy crap, you don't even need to start your fire. You're like, yeah, I'll yeah. take a couple sips of this. I'm not even lighting the chimney tonight. Are you, you know? uh, barbecuing at 2 a.m. to start it out for dinner? Like, this is what we go to. Like, this is the whiskey we go to. That's, that's exactly right. Ian, is this your favorite so far? No. No? No. My favorite so far is definitely Promethean. Promethean? Like, that is so good. Yeah. That's so amazing right. and in so many ways. Nice. Uh, second favorite after that would probably be the... Uh, 115. Yeah, the 115 that we had a minute ago, yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there's so much good. There's so much to like. Uh, one more question before we wrap up the show proper, and then we're going to do a little bonus segment where we taste this uh, this final one. And this is, is this 129.8 proof? Is that what you It said? is. It is indeed 129.08 oh God. Proof. Did you name it Shillelagh or? <laughs> it's going to smack you around a little bit. You're ready. You're ready. <laughs> All, right. All right. So we'll get to that in our bonus segment. Uh, before we do that, I wanted to ask you, I just wanted to ask you about the name of the company, Iron Root. Republic is there a special meaning to that? There is. So when we were talking about earlier the that 
uh, the grape roots that help save the French wine industry mm-hmm. and European wine production. It's they refer to it over there as the iron grape roots from Texas. And so for us, that's why we took on that name. It's that heritage that we that, I that, love that. technique that we use to make our all their spirits. Um, but it's also it's an homage to the city we're in. It's that iron roots that from Texas to help again make that. sure that everyone can keep drinking wine. I, I love, love that. that your logo, by the way, has the I, the R, and the star. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Well, I want to say, uh, as we wrap up the uh, primary portion of the show, I want to say thank you very much for being on. Dude, thank you this so much for having me. This was long overdue, uh, and we will, uh, we will look forward to having you on again uh, sooner. We won't wait as long this time. And know that you are now invited to show number 200. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll be down here for it. Don't All you worry. Right, uh, that'll be perfect. Sweet. Uh, Ian, uh, thank you uh, for uh, everything uh, to our producer, uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel, uh, who I think we owe much whiskey to at this point. You know, he's the... He is indeed. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be back with you next week for show number... Oh, wait. Is next week number 175? 175. Is Halfway that, to 200. Is that a thing? Halfway to 200. I don't know. We'll be back and, and we'll talk about it then. Uh, bonus segment coming up where we'll be trying some 100 and... Like, 37 gazillion uh, proof uh, whiskey. <laughs> this uh, is also the segment where we give our guests the sound machine. Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. In the final segment, the yes. guests get the sound machine. So this should be fun. Oh, Have a geez. great week, everyone, and uh, uh, cheers. The pressure is real. Cheers, baby. Cheers. Try to use that for good, not for evil. It's only for evil.